I've just come down from the Isle of Skye, not very big, and I'm awfully shy. And the last sea shout when I go by, Donald, where's your trousers? Let the wind blow high, let the wind blow low, through the streets in McKilt I'll go. All the lassies say hello, Donald, where's your trousers? I love it, <laughs> I love it man, that was great. Old, uh, old Gallic tune there. Yeah, so. <laughs> we've had a few Irish boys on the show. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're Scottish, but you know, the <laughs> alignment between the... The island and, and Scotland's very It's just close, the English right? so you've got to deal with. It's sort of kind of the simple story, right? It's uh, it's, it's it's the lads down south. I don't want to get political. I'll just short story. I had a client. She was English. And and all of a sudden, I uh, I have um, um Irish electrician. Yeah. And, and we got along really well. Sure. Met him for the first time here. He moved from there to here. Sure. Started working in the industry. Barry, I'll just say, yeah, Barry, uh, from, uh, he was doing uh, a lot of work here, a lot of great work. And I met a lot of his lads. <laughs> you know, they were all hanging out. But then I, 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 saw, I finally said, listen, Barry, I'm going to come to Ireland. I want to come to Ireland, right? Amazing. So I went to Ireland. Client found out that I was going to Ireland. And all she said is, why are you going to Ireland? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you, you're keeping up that English stereotype, man. Yeah, sort of right. I actually have more interest in going to Scotland and Ireland than I do England. I'm like, sorry to say. Uh, yeah, likewise. You know what? The, <laughs> <laughs> the majority of the world agrees with you, right? So, well, without getting too political, <laughs> well, lose, yes, no, no, for sure. Just how it is, especially I, nowadays with you know stuff the way. I, I, I just think that the Irish and the Scottish people are. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna. Oh, fuck it, Gavin. Welcome to the show, bro. Thank you for having us. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you for having us. Beautiful but studio. Thank you so much, man. My We're so happy to have you. We're gonna have an interesting conversation. Yeah, I was sure. glad that you came by and we got to talk. Absolutely. And just shoot the shit and, and just talk business and talk life and talk. And, and sure, we, we obviously sure. agree on a lot of things. And it's yeah. not that I always try to get guests that agree with me because no, no. that's that doesn't make for a good conversation. No, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Gavin McRae here in the show in the studio. Uh, GJ McRae Foundation Repair. Obviously the business has been around for 48 years you guys know a thing or two when it comes to you know the work that you guys do you guys do top-notch quality work find these guys at www.wetbasements.com gavin at wetbasement.com facebook twitter ig gj mccray all across the board linkedin gj mccray as well too and uh now you're finding them on the construction life a pleasure could i could i shout a few people totally out? do it please awesome. yeah yeah so i just wanted to shout out to uh, dino maggie debbie ozzy mamet uh, Milan, my mom and dad, and my beautiful wife. Nice. So one quick shout out. I'm wearing Ewan's uh, baseball. I actually, this is one of my favorite tees that I, li I like because I've always liked the three-quarter sleeve. Looks great. All right, and it's a nice fit. So Ewan, thank you so much. Renaissance, he, he does great work, and he's doing some challenging things right now. Uh, he's doing some very challenging because he loves the older builds. So obviously, can of worms, older builds, digging, discovering, yes. finding problems, problem solving, extras, change orders, oh, yes. structural engineer, architects, design, like it's just, but he loves that world. All the above, you know, those, those, <laughs> those old structures, really, that's of course where it all began. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're timeless. So one good thing they're, about Toronto. Right? No, for sure. Full there's, of them, right? There's you an know, abundance there's, of that stuff. There's a lot of cities in North America that don't have a lot of connection to that, um, you know, but you know, the, the older structures come with their challenges too. They're, they're, uh, they're amazing, no, for sure. And, you know, from, from our perspective, what, you know, one of the items that makes older structures difficult in a sense to work with from, from a, from a, you know, foundation perspective is, you know, these, 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 uh, these homes are heavy, heavy, yeah. double, double brick, triple brick, three story, you know, every, every inch of that, uh, envelope per se is, it's hardcore. hardcore. Would, would I be fair to say built properly? Absolutely. Cause right. if and I'm not going to be around a hundred years from now, but to look at a building that's being built today, yeah what it's going to look like a hundred years from now. 
Yeah, no one. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you guys think about this all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, it's 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 a sign of the times in a sense, right? You know, we you know we're 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 in the throes of globalism, you yeah. know, and you know the way people look at the future versus how they looked maybe at the turn of the century, you know, significantly different, right? So you know, our our our, our you know our structures, everything, you know, our vehicles, the microwave, everything falls into that category of like you know. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll last. Maybe it won't. Right? It's it's slightly ironic. I mean, you're you're from the United Kingdom area there, and I've had plenty of people from that area as well too. I'm European. Uh, you know, families immigrated from there to here. Why didn't we just start building the way it was being built there? Because you've got homes back there that are centuries old, yeah, and they will be passed down generationally. Correct. And other than updating features like kitchens and bathrooms and things like that structure wise they will still stand the test of time they remain which yeah. i get nervous about the homes here and the moment you start discussing about certain things that we're going to get into on this show we're going to talk a lot about waterproofing and wet basements and structural and mm -hmm. all kinds of underpinning and everything like that mm -hmm. these are costly items that are not beautiful looking items right but extremely critical items yeah <clears throat> you know the the most critical and you know it's 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 kind of a you know, maybe a clash of perspective in a sense, because, you know, the most important things in a building or a structure anywhere in the world, right? right it's, yep. it's all the things you can't see, right? And, you know, there's, there's a, a segment of society that says, you know what, those are actually the most important things. We already know that. And then there yep. maybe is another segment of society that says, you know what, how does this kitchen look type thing? And, you know, I can appreciate both sides. You know, I like a nice kitchen too, but, um, but I like a, I like a nice wall. Right. No, no, for <laughs> sure. You know, and, and, you know, that, 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 that timelessness factor is, um, it, yeah, you know, structure and stuff, you know, it might not always be, uh, you know, sexy per se, but that, that really is the, the bones of the operation. Right. And, you know, nowadays, you know, maybe it's not at the forefront like it used to be. You know, How do those conversations go for you, Gavin? How do they, I mean, I'm not, and I will never dismiss what you guys do because I personally could be in a room with a bunch of designers and clients mm -hmm. and I will say what Gavin and his crew is about to do is far more important than your fucking stove <laughs> and your wolf and your sub-zero. I'm sorry, but it is far more important because without the work being done properly at the foundation stage and rehabilitating a structure yeah. because homes in Canada don't last as long as they should be lasting. Correct. You have no beautiful kitchen. You have no beautiful anything. You don't have anything, yeah. So it's like, how does that conversation, because I'm sure that your dad taught you possibly a few tricks on how to navigate those no question. interesting words and phrases that have to be expressed. For sure, for sure. And, and you know, with, you know, one of, one of his, uh, you know, mantras has always been, you know, keep it simple in that sense, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the access to information nowadays, you know, with the internet and such, it's it's good because clients now I find or are, are sort of more informed than they've ever been. Sort you know, sort of in a positive way too. You know, well they'll you know they'll they'll have an issue in the basement. You know, it's a century home. It's it's in Toronto. It's in Hamilton. It's in old old Mississauga or something. You know, and they'll kind of Google it and they'll find that you know what, hey, there's someone else in the GTA or maybe even upstate New York or somewhere you know similar geographic zone that that's had similar kind of things and you know so they can sort of you know suss out what needs to be done. Um, you know, almost in advance, sometimes of us coming, you know, they say, you know, look, we, you know, we have an old house and, you know, the foundation wall in this area is collapsing. We know that until we uh, remedy this item, nothing above these floors or in this area is, is worthwhile doing. And it's yes. like, you know, right off the top. Yeah. You're right. speaking our language. Exactly. Right. And, 
you know, I think, you know, serious homeowners in that sense that are looking to really stay there and do the right thing, which honestly, the majority of them kind of are, um, you know, they, they don't want to, uh, uh, patch it or cover it up no. because oftentimes, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but oftentimes that issue, uh, they inherited from someone who in turn covered it up in the past. Yep. You know, they, they bought the home and oh, it's our first home and, you know, we're just, this is amazing. And, you know, you know, the basement's a little damp, you know, little, little musky. We'll get to it. They get to it, they demo it. And it's like, my, my God, discovery um, time, you know, and in a sense, they don't want to do the same. Right. So that's, that's an interesting thing with, um, and uh, younger homeowners are really kind of interested in, 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 in kind of doing the right thing, you know, when it comes to that. So um, do they know what they're getting into when they, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things, how could you know, right? You know, uh, generally no, but at the same time, you know, there is a bit of a leap of faith there and, you know, the house or the location or the, or the situation matches their, their, their lifestyle or their future. Yeah. Uh, and they say, you know what, this, this is a spot for us and whatever comes with this, we're going to take sort of on, you know, hoping that, you know, there are no major issues. Um, sometimes there aren't, um, sometimes there are very significant issues. You know, we do interestingly enough, geographically, like, <clears throat> you know, we do structural repair, underpinning, all that kind of stuff all through Toronto, all through the GTA. But, you know, in the last, I don't, I don't know, maybe four or five years, um, Hamilton specifically has become a... Because there's been such an influx there, right? It. You know, there's there's a flight of capital out of Toronto. Yeah. Better bang for the buck in Hamilton. I get all that. Same homes. Same yeah. style of homes that were built. Yeah, even, even larger, even, maybe yeah. even, you know, more potential, right? And, you know, bigger lots, this and that. You know, Hamilton comes with, with uh, challenges as well. But, you know, so oftentimes we do see that, right? So they get involved in... in like that or houses like that and they say hey you know we're gonna yeah we're gonna leave toronto we're gonna go to hamilton we're gonna do the thing and um yeah you know i don't want to you know misspeak on hamilton in a sense but um you know decades and decades and decades out there of maybe lax building practices well i would call it i'm not exactly sure the history of exactly how this happened but the amount of foundation repair and decaying physical decaying foundation walls turning to dust. The probability wow. of that occurring in the Hamilton area is is in multitudes higher than anywhere else in the GTA. Really? Generally that we've seen. Right? I thought a lot of it had to possibly do with a lot of the uh, McMaster and students and people just building structures to chop them up for rental units and not really maintaining the structure and just constantly bringing more Mate bodies in there every year. Right, maintenance is... is, is a definitely a big key there right so you know i'm i'm not fully abreast of the entire history of hamilton and yeah. it's and it's old sort of structures but my guess would be that you know the majority of the origin of some of those decaying issues of foundation walls in hamilton comes from you know decades and decades and decades of renting um you know the owner themselves maybe is not interested in you know keeping up or maintaining you know and the renters they say oh, you know i'm renting that's not really my responsibility to rebuild the foundation wall right so people I know, just but the musty smell in the base i get it you apartment oh no, like. for sure right and you know yeah you know it's 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 possible you know socially things weren't locked in in the right place you know i'm yeah. not exactly sure but um yeah hamilton definitely has you know like the amount of complete perimeter foundation walls we rebuild 
while hanging brick lines and like, you know, physically rebuilding 10 foot sections for two months type wow. thing. The amount we do that in the Hamilton region is significantly higher than anywhere else. In is the it GTA. really bad? Like you're literally taking your finger and just uh, like it's crumbling. Yeah, buddy. So it's just, it's saturated with water. It is. Um, I'm, I'm not sure the engineering term concrete guy would know this, but um, the, the MPA of some of those walls I would guess is no longer measurable per se. You because know, once it starts to crumble like that. It's turning back into base material. Yeah. Right. You know, so we, we did a job about two months ago there. I have, you know, I have some pretty good uh, photos and uh, we, we kind of do some time lapse uh, stuff now. Okay. Um, you know, so on, on, on our YouTube channel, I have a little um, top down camera at my yeah. shop and I, you know, I kind of draw out, you nice. know, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what's existing. This is what we're about to do kind of a little top-down thing, and then it goes to a time-lapse of, like, you know, seven or eight days of the project squished down to five minutes, and you get to see it all. Yeah. You know, very, very fast time-lapse-wise. But we did one about a month ago. I just put a video up there, uh, and it's and it's that exact thing, right, where, you know, we have everything short, everything's ready, we start taking the foundation wall out, and, you know, we're, we're just kind of hitting it with a hammer, right, and it's just... Crumbling. Crumbling, right, and it, you know, again, not, not every house in, in, in Hamilton suffers from this, but the probability of that happening in all of the GTA, we find Hamilton region to be one of the areas with the most amount of that kind of decay. Um, yeah. And, and you, you know, you basically got the market can't afford Toronto. Correct. Hamilton's becoming expensive. Yes. But it's not as expensive as Toronto. Oh, no, for and sure. And you still get a lot of character of an historical structure. Mm -hmm. You get decent sized lots. Yes. You get mature lots. Yes, correct. The trees there are mature, which is also another factor to the decay of these structures right. because of water mitigation, right? right? Correct. So you're getting a lot of flower beds that have been planted around structure, mm -hmm. just absorbing water. Yep. Right next to concrete, yep. deteriorating concrete. Decades and decades, you know, what bad trough work. Yeah. Um, you know, Toronto has similar issues in a sense where, you know, some, some of the older homes are so close to each other, you know, that, that, that uh, alleyway or easement between the two homes is like two feet wide. And, you know, one, one homeowner says, hey, you know, let's do the right thing. Let's, you know, let's uh, have, have, have proper, um, you know, eave trough, fascia, downspout maintenance, water mitigation, keep the water away from the structure. That yep. really is the secret or the key. Yeah to keeping these homes lasting. Um, and you can do that, and that's fantastic, but if your neighbors on both sides don't do the same... It doesn't... You know, yeah, it, yeah the, you know, the point becomes moot in a sense. So um, that's one of the caveats of living so close, you know, to uh, other people, you know, type thing. And, you know, so, you know, Toronto has its, you know, foundation decaying issues, uh, you know, Hamilton, um, similar situation, you know. Up in the mountain, different story. Yeah. Um, but, you know, down... They're down building more new correct, up yeah. in the mountain, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, it seems it seems that maybe planning or city planning up there was, was you know, kind of um, maybe more together type thing. You know, the mountain is newer, of course, type thing. So um, it is what it is. You know, I'm sure London, I'm sure Boston, I'm it's sure... Same thing. You know, they... Everyone's got these character neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, I just find it fascinating when you start reading some of the data and you look at history and you go back and all of a sudden you find out that a house on a certain street in Hamilton not too long ago, possibly in the mid-80s, early 80s, sold for like $23,000 right, right. for the home. Yeah, yeah. This wasn't the tax. Yeah. This wasn't just a basement apartment. Yeah. It was the whole home. Everything. Which was a decent-sized home. It was realistically probably about fifteen to 1,800 square feet. Right. 
had a front porch, all brick. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It was boiler. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, and it's like 20 some odd thousand dollars. You know, the the other day I read a <laughs> statistic and it was kind of a loose, um, you know, some somewhat loose, but it, it had to do with, I think, San Francisco at the turn of the century, 1900s. And it was something along the lines of, um, you know, one or two years salary, you know, completely saved, purchased, bought a home. homes, right? That's that that was kind of the going thing. You know, nowadays to think of that, it's just, you know, I can't even get you a deposit. It's unimaginable, you know, it, it can't even get you in the conversation, you know, type thing. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's tough. And, you know, there's only so much land and everyone wants it in a particular place, right? Canada's full of land, but nobody wants it in campus casing per se. You know, I'm sure someone up north does, but um, it's, yeah. It's a different, honestly, you have to have a different mindset today. Correct. You, as much as we can try to learn from history and go back and understand where it was and where the market was or where it's going or whatever, but we're on this course. Yeah. I Nobody, you could talk to anybody that's in real estate or mortgage brokering or banking or anything in construction. This is not going to about face and start to drop. Nothing, um, nothing's going to stop it. No. You know, and, you know, there's, there's, you know, benefits to the free market per se, and there's sometimes things go sideways, right? And it's... Um, Old saying the old man, you know, used to say to me, you know, you can sit there sobbing or find a way or whatever, right? And it's, you know, it's one of those things, right? It's like, man, you know, it's not fair, but things were never fair out here in a sense, right? So, yeah, you know, if you can get the real estate ladder by any means per se, right? But you guys are in a, you guys are in a special part of the industry. And I love seeing younger people appreciating these structures. But I could also see these younger people reluctantly or trying to negotiate with you on how far can we push this safety goal line about how much structure and repair we need to do to maintain these structures. Because I don't think these young people that are buying these homes somehow found this money, whether through two divorce sets of parents or retirement funds from somebody or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they found this money to be in this specific neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I don't, I never have conversations or see them talk about we're here forever. This is our forever home. Yeah. So why am I going to spend six figures repairing the basement structure of this dwelling it yeah you know it 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 does go both ways right you know it it really surrounds their kind of intent what they're looking to do right yeah um you know some of them are are looking to stay there they they have no plans to to change anything per se right so they they generally really want to you know kind of go all in and do it right you know within reason um you know other clients that are looking for a quick fix or quick patches you know usually you can kind of suss that out you know, if the home's being flipped or there's, um, you know, a, a student housing scheme at, at, at play or something like that, um, you know, yeah, there's, 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 there's guys in the industry that kind of handle that kind of stuff, you know, the quick in, quick out, boom, boom, just you know, da, 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 cover it up, keep moving, right? So that's, that's, that's the fit some clients are looking for. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for us, we don't so much get involved in that kind of thing. Um, you know, one of the ways really honestly to to kind of suss out you know sort of intent per se you know on a you know whether there's there's a real project there really is is quite simply to involve uh, the structural engineer you know get them in say hey you know what what's the minimum bar here we need to go you know he or she'll say hey this is what it is you know 
the full blown thing is a different thing, but you know, when, when clients do kind of get engineering documentation in order and stuff, that's, that's when stuff, you know, really becomes real. You're all this. You're like you, no doubt. If you're already starting to spend the money on those conversations yep. you got it. and getting those drawings made correct, and getting those site visits yep. happening and then submitting to the city, yep. you're, you're all in to do correct. this, right? Yeah, you no, have to do this, right? Pretty much, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, no, it's, it's just one of those things. And, you know, oftentimes even nowadays, again, with, you know, um, Google and, and, and just access to information, you know, younger clients, they're, they're generally more savvy on computers and such. And they'll, um, you know, they already kind of know that. So oftentimes we'll get calls and say, Hey, you know, we have a property here, you know, X, Y, Z, here's what we need to do. Um, you know, we already have our engineering documentation in order, you know, here it is, you know, the moment we get there, it's already prepared. It's like, you know, that's, that's, that's a live job. That's, that's far and few. No, you know, that's, that's, you know what, you'd be surprised, right? right? Like, okay. you know, like foundation repair per se volume isn't like, you know, volume of plumbing or something like you know there's tens of thousands of leaking, variables leaking taps and such yeah, right you yeah. know with, with with our stuff you know it's it's around you know it's it's not you know massive massive volume you know for us it's it's a lot you know we're a small family run company but um you know yeah like i i would honestly say 30 40 percent of the leads or the calls we get in relation to specifically rebuilding foundation structure not the waterproofing side of things but either underpinning or rebuilding foundation structure, the clients are either already have the engineering documents in hand or they're coming per se. Right. So that's, yeah. You that's know, what you're looking for. You know, that's, that's, that's nice. Right. Because the legwork's done, you know, you can tell they're, they're kind of serious and, you know, everything is very clear. Right. You know, oftentimes people say, Oh, you know, what do I do? I say, well, you know, this, this is my opinion or the opinion of our, you know, opinion of our company. Um, now as for, you know, the nuts and bolts of it, really you should lean on to the engineer engineer says hey xyz we say hey we are you know in other words glorified um uh instruction takers per se right you know what what would the engineer like to see and that's i a, wouldn't simplify that, it that's that, precisely that what way, we do yeah you know, so. I, I would say first of all you eliminate you know, we try you to guys. keep it simple right? i know but yeah. you eliminate you guys then there is no structure i'm sorry to say no 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 for right. sure for sure so, you know so. someone someone has to do it yeah. you know, someone has to dig it out someone has to rebuild it poor footings short you know like I mean, back to the clients okay. and doing their sure. own research, and, and as much as Google is a good thing, it's also a bad thing. It can be. there's also a lot of misinformation. A lot of misinformation, right? And, and, I, and I've always said, listen, when it comes specifically with this detail and what you guys handle, um, you can't use the word custom enough for this. Mm. Like, this is, this, this is one house on one street with one topical geographical area. You don't know where the water table is. You don't know what's underneath that structure. You don't know what the city was like 100 years ago. You don't know what damage has been caused or what butchery has been happening over the years. <laughs> yeah. And everyone just chopping out, you know, joy structural. You don't know any of this stuff. So it's, when you yeah, get there, very common. it's like, sure, we want to do this. We were going to stay here for a while. We've got our drawings. We've got an engineer already on board. Mm -hmm. But until you start Swiss cheesing that basement mm -hmm. and, uh, and opening shit it that you can't see... You really don't know how custom your building is. Right, you know, and that that is part of the risk with this kind of work, you know, other than the physical liability of, of, of actually completing it, which, you know, that... that that's another huge thing. That's, you know, yeah. can, can keep you up at night. And so, you know, some you know everything's right, but at the same time, you know, you're always thinking, Worry. right? You know, you're yeah, hanging, you know, you're hanging homes, right? And client sees it, oh my God. It's, it's a steel beam. Everything's fine, right? But it's, it's, <laughs> it's quite a sight. Na neighbors, people... Nobody's sleeping tonight. No, you know... <laughs> The mailman's coming by to deliver. Holy shit. You know, like it's, it's generally a spectacle sometimes where people are very, you know, interested and such. But, um, 
you know, there's there, there's that side of things. But at the same time as well with quoting projects like this, right? You know, you start to get involved and things change and such. And it's like, you know, you really, really, you know, you know, for us anyways, we, we really, really, really don't like to um, adjust our price per se. You know, again, you know. Negotiate. You know, you come to some, you know, you know, you open something up in a wall and you find, you know, Jimmy Hoffa or you find a, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, that's yeah. clearly a different story, but. No, it's always funny to find, okay, you, well. You know, we like that. to come in at this number and we already know and we've calculated everything and this number doesn't change. And clients really, really like that where they say, okay, you know, again, within reason. But that's based on experience. Correct. And, right. and right. the business that yeah. your dad started and you've taken over. Correct. You guys are, it's not your first canoe trip. And you've dealt with homes in Toronto, in and around the areas, Hamilton, and now you're dealing with a bunch of homes. So it's kind of, for lack of a better word, I guess the contractors of yesterday kind of did the same work Mm -hmm. over and over. Mm -hmm. So once you open up a section of it and you discover something, then you guys are like Colombo contractors. (laughs) And you figured out, I bet you any money, since they did this, I guarantee you that this happened. And nine out of ten times, that's, you know, we we can kind of predict, you know, like thinking... In a sense, you know, how, how the old boys maybe looked at it in the 70s or the 80s, and, like, we're kind of coming in thinking, you know, in the 80s, you know, that's probably what they were going to do. And, you know, we open it up, and, yeah, it's basically what they, you know. So it's, it, yeah, no, it's it, it definitely comes from, you know, experience. You know, every every trade or every job has has their, you know, tricks or tools of the trade. You know, for, for us, um, the estimation side of it was always a very careful um, operation, you know, and... The way that, you, you know, to keep it real simple, you know, the way that you know that in your sleep is in the past, you know, you get burned. Yeah. Right? Like, That's how you learned. You know? And it's like, dang, that hurt. That really hurt. Right? And as time goes on, it's like, you know what? That's not going to happen again. Um, and so, one of the, and, and, you know, from, from my old man's perspective, you know, within reason, he would, hey, you got hurt? Let you get hurt. Yeah. You know, within reason, of course, you know, in a kind way, but... Pain is a good thing. It makes you feel alive. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't forget that stuff, right? And it's like, you know, that's 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 a very special thing about it all, right? You know, the victories are sweet, but you know, the defeats they really uh you know, again, knock on wood, we're, you know, nowadays, you know, pretty pretty lean and mean per se, but you know, back in the early days, you know, in my early twenties and such, you know, that fucking you know, what am I getting involved in here? Like, I know, I know. You know, and you're all in, right? You know, um and you get it done, everyone's happy, but it's like, you know, that yeah, that that was a tough. It one. must be right. a good so, feeling, though, eh, Gavin. Like it's just like I remember. I used to have a place down in St. Clair and Dufferin area, and um, the classic problem with those homes were the front porches and the two foot by two foot posts that were holding the concrete posts that were holding a six by six beam mm-hmm. of Douglas or whatever it was, sure. and holding the rooftop, yeah. possibly sometimes the second story. Mine was a half second story and or, and just a canopy. Mm-hmm. And those things were always leaning Tower of Pisa. They would always start to move. Mm-hmm. Now, they always start to move, not because the house was moving. It was because those posts, when they built those structures, they didn't put as much love in the footing of that post yep. as they did the rest of the structure. Correct. It, it was an afterthought at that point. Yep. So sure enough, that footing is deteriorating, yep. and that's why your post is starting to lean. Correct. And so I actually had to do that, and it was my neighbor's dad who was a retired bricky, mm-hmm. and he kept on looking at me, kept on asking me, what am I going to do? it?" And I already knew in the back of my head what was involved. Right. And I was like, okay. And then he kept on insisting. He goes, I'll help you. And the guy helped me, and we had a blast to it, and we took care of it. We did it properly. Beautiful. And 
sure enough, we dug down, ripped apart everything, and then we discovered it was basically just sand right. at the bottom there. Right. Yep. So, I mean, you you knew as a, as a person who's been in the industry, you knew exactly what the culprit was mm-hmm. and what to fix. And then he's a brickie, so he uh, was able to break that no sure, problem. Sure. Yeah. We didn't destroy any of the original blocks and bricks, so we just reused everything. Yeah. So it actually looked like nothing ever happened. That's the plan. But that's what you guys do. I, like, it must be a great feeling to sit back and go, you do all that work, you have that sweat, sleepless nights, you have beams holding, you have bracing, you have all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you, man. you pull it off, you do the underpinning, you do the structural, you take care of all that stuff, then you're done and it's ready for the next trade. And you look back and, you, and you're looking at other homes that desperately need this service as well. Yes. But you know that that one structure you just did, that's not going anywhere. No. For the next century plus. You know, that's, that's the objective on our end. Um, and when you, when you pull that off in a, in a clean way, um, client's happy we're happy all the guys are happy everyone's happy the town's happy it's like you know what this was a good week gentlemen that's what it's supposed to you know and it you know keep it simple and monday hey monday's a new day you know and try not to hang on to last week too much but at the same time it is it is a feeling that is not easily replicatable yeah and labor is not easily counterfeitable because it's a good phrase per se right it's um you know and and it's it's nice right and 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 honestly this you know Profasco Brock White Construction Materials and National Concrete Accessories combines the best of each brand's 50-plus year legacy now as one team across Canada. Whether you need professional-grade construction materials, tools, or safety supplies, their team can help you get what you need from the leading trusted brands in the professional business. Their experienced and knowledgeable associates provide technical support, sourcing and quotations, delivery, local pickup, and stocked offerings, plus so much more. So whether you need concrete accessories, masonry products, fasteners, or power tools, the teams at Profasco, Brock White, and NCA can get what you need to complete your project. With over 70 locations across Canada, trust the Whitecap Supply Canada team for your next project. You can reach out to them and find your nearest location at profasco.com, nca.ca, and brockwhite.ca. I kind of look at our stuff sometimes, like, you know, our, our stuff is, is is very ancient in premise, right? You know, we hand excavate. The shovel's got to be the oldest I know, I remember you tool there is, right? You yeah. Know, my favorite tool still is just a shovel. So, you know, you think of a shovel and, you know, look at it like 15 bucks from Depot. Like, what's the big, you know, but that, that blade of the shovel is perfectly designed to grab x amount of pounds of dirt which a human being general general human beings worldwide can say okay you know that's the proper amount to not strain or hurt your back after seven or eight thousand shovels a day type thing and it's it's very simple but at the same time like the shovel you know if you dug up a shovel in ancient egypt you're going to find basically the same Same, right same thing yeah and it's like those tools to me you know from from another side of things is like that that's an example of like perfect technology to me it's like you know in a sense a hammer you know the the geometry metallurgy you know materials you you know there's titanium hammers now all this wild stuff the same tool it's still the same hammer man i know you know it's true and shovels will still be the same it's perfection in a sense, right? You know, I, I, I was, you can't improve it. No, no, exactly. Yeah. You know, I was I was reading a thing a few weeks ago, and it was on um, I don't know, it was on the alligators, or it was on um, yeah, yeah. Let's say alligators per se, and 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 how alligator physiology or biology. And I'm definitely not a scientist, but you know, alligator biology per se. You know, x tens of hundreds of thousands, millions of years ago. 
has not changed to this day because that alligator, or sorry, maybe crocodile, I whichever confused, one it is, confused the two. Something about the snout. <laughs> whichever the big one is. Um, yeah, it's it's biology and physiology is actually perfection, and it has not gone through an evolution in tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years because it came, you know, it came too perfect. Yeah. And the only thing that changes with them is their size. Yep. You know, prehistoric dinosaur time, they were huge. Lots of food, lots, you know, the atmosphere maybe was different now. You know, they're a little bit smaller. They're still hardcore as heck, but yeah. um, just sort of perfect beings, right? And, you know, not to talk too much about a shovel, but, you know, I look at shovel as kind of like, you know, picks, shovel, hand tools, right? Totally, Travels. Yeah. Stuff's old as time. Masonry, block. Yeah, um, masonry trial has not evolved. It's oh. just, it's different brands and they, they add their little spin to it. Yeah, yeah. Shovels is the same thing. Maybe same the handle's shit, right? made a certain way. Sure, sure. But the length of a long shovel is been the same the same. actual shovel itself yep. it, like it's the same metal every like it's just same you know the volume they scoop you know you got really big you know dutch shovels per se right with big big scoops and yeah but you kill your back you and kill your arms, back right so there's you, no you know, point you go too small and you're not moving enough right yeah. so it's it's you know these are very simple things that surround us but to me it's like you know what that's uh a special tool. I can't remember one in my truck for the rest of my life. Always, always close by. You know what kills so me is awful. that when you go to a big box, I guess, and you buy that little mini shovel, you know, the little, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is it, it's not half. It's a quarter. Is it a quarter of a shovel? Is it the long one or the? The narrow one. It's almost like an oversized garden shovel. We do have a couple different shovel, you know, um, scoops per you know there's the standard shovel yeah and there's sort of the long shovel don't use that one too much but there is what we call a baby shovel yeah it's maybe like a half you know half the volume half the size type thing but when we're underpinning sometimes we're down and under the footing and you got to get certain sometimes it's helpful for that that. was the exact reason why i was getting it i was getting it for certain reasons but it's funny how you talk about the physiologically like when you talk about how you handle a shovel a regular size shovel then all of a sudden you switch to that shovel and human nature you're confused. It's almost like you're driving a sprinter, get out of it, and then hop into a low vehicle. Right. It's a weird feeling. It is. So it's the same thing with these shovels. It's just yeah. like your your body is naturally adapt to a regular standard shovel. Correct. But it has to kind of acquire new skills to handle this slightly different size shovel. Yeah, for sure. Which is such a weird thing to me. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's a uh, Subtle, subtle little changes in the system, right? They, yeah. they cascade and, you know, you look at the two, you know, these, these are shovels. Well, you know, slight differences, right? And, uh, <laughs> you know, things change. But you guys deal with it all the time. All the time. No, but I love that you guys are hand digging because also you guys are conscious of people buy homes, especially in the Toronto area, especially in established neighborhoods. Shrubbery's already there. Trees um, are already there. That's walkways are already there. Last thing you need is a machine tearing it up tearing it up right and you know back back in the day you know when when the old man was 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 a young pup and kind of started and stuff you know in in the 19 you know 70s you know notions like excavators trucks you know floats and like holy shit that wasn't an option it was serious shit no but the cost associated all with of it, it was then, yeah you know given dad's situation and you know kind of where he's from and you know how how, how it all began for us like this shit's unimaginable owning a excavator machine like that's you know nowadays you know you rented a depot right it's whatever but it was just unimaginable yeah. right and you know coming from you know my grandfather's era and stuff like that like boy it's like this is this is the old country right you know we gotta you know we gotta make this happen right and they always found for for decades that you know very low overhead low risk in in you know equipment per se you know excavating into the ground has its own risk you, know, you gotta shore that stuff and it's you know it can be uh 
can be dicey for sure if it's not done right. But, you know, the ability to show up and truth be told, make money without yeah. any massive overhead, you know, a yeah. um, couple ladders, shovels, tarps, that was it. What's the rule now with shoring? Is it now mandatory the moment you pass? Is it four feet? Four feet, yeah. Four feet. So it yeah. doesn't matter. You're digging four feet, you need shoring. Yeah, you know, if 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 you step the top of the excavation back, okay, you know, so so you can sort of L, um, you know, sort of L L step it, you know, yeah. so th- so the top four feet, if you dig back six or seven feet, and then you come down four feet, step it out down to your footing. In yeah. that sense, there, generally speaking, that's okay. Okay, um, you know, sh- shoring is most important in sandy soils, really deep, um, you know, clays and 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 sort of hard soils. They're you know, if, if they're dry, they're, they're generally predictable. Yeah. Keyword generally, you never really know down there. You know, that's, that's one of the parts of, uh, you know, the trench warfare aspect is, you know, um, you hope the soil is going to be okay. And, you know, generally it is, you know, you, you know, you, you sort of plan and, you know, as, as you're digging down, you can kind of tell, you know, what, what's going on, you know, especially if you find water four or five feet down and now you're digging through water down another three feet to the footings. That's now always fun. You've got pumps involved and all yeah. this stuff. Right. And that's, that's when stuff can get pretty, pretty rough. But honestly, you know, we, we have, uh, we have the best team imaginable, honestly, uh, absolutely love my guys, what we have going, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, they, they're, they're the definition of uh, soldiers, men. They're challenge seekers, right? No doubt, no doubt. They right. come in and they just go, okay, so what are we doing? We know what we're doing. Yeah. Let's get it done. That's it. <laughs> that kind of mentality. You know, hardcore, there's, you know, there is no, um, yeah, there is no alternative per se, right? We're like, you know, we're in this boys and we're in it, right? And, you know, we'll we'll get down to that footing by the end of the day by any means necessary, right? You know, next day, you know, nice waterproof, reinstall the weeping towel, the water starts to drain away, things dry up, get the gravel down, start to backfill, you know, everyone's, you know, in a more cheery mood per se, right? But you know, it's it's kind of pushing through, and you know, I love studying you know history and you know, I don't know World War One and all that stuff. And yeah, we we're talking about that before, and you know, some of those things come to my mind when we're doing that. It's like you know, um, yeah, you know, we got to knuckle up. No one's helping us out of this, right? And we know how to do this. We've done this. Uh, you know, re- rely on our training per se, and just shovel at a time, gentlemen. Shovel at a time, right? And before yeah, you know it, it's dug. Before you know what it's done, right? The, you know, yeah, our guys uh, consistently Im- impress the heck out of me, right? And uh, I'm not too easily impressed per <laughs> se. You know, does this still fall on you guys to do um, soil testing, or is that part of the engineer's wheelhouse or the GC's wheelhouse? Yeah, you know, it 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 depends. You know, for for underpinning and such, um, depending on what engineer we're working with, right? Like we've we we've connected and worked with so many structural engineers in the GTA now. There's there's, you know, dozens of them. Generally, we find their reports sort of cross um, our radar, you know, our, our, our radar most often. Yeah. Um, you know, so they'll they'll kind of say, okay, well, you know, we're, we're suspicious about the soil and maybe it's pure sand or something like that. And oftentimes we'll go over and do a little test pit, um, you know, prior to sort of advancing permits and stuff like that. And it's not too, too often um, that soil is an issue. You know, if it is, um, you know, the geotechnical would come in and, and, uh, you know, kind of do his thing. But, um, yeah, generally that's, that's all in the engineering wheelhouse, yeah, you know, per se, you know, we'll, we'll kind of do legwork to expose it, but, um, but know. hasn't the city been documenting? Cause I, I remember having a conversation with an engineer at some point and they were starting to put grids 
of certain areas of the city that, heard that yeah. these sands, like these soil conditions are all very similar to this. But yeah. I guess it starts to get a little funky because at some point, I mean, if you're from the Toronto area, then you kind of understand at some point south of Bloor starts to get very watery. Right. Right. But north of Bloor, it doesn't get very watery. Right. But then there's also other sections that get very sandy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, are we... Still asking for these soil tests to be done so we can confirm what the the KPA is on this, and so then we could just make sure that that dwelling is taken care of instead of assuming that the dwelling that was beside it that did their work, mm-hmm. this is what they had, right? Right. And you assume again, but that I guess in construction you don't necessarily want to assume because there might be issues at that point, so you might as well just test it. And for the cost of testing, yeah, yeah, no, you know, once once the uh, once the labor's done, the hole's open, the soil's there, you know, they yeah. they come in, do their thing, just test it, um, you know. So so usually, yeah, we we kind of rely on the engineering side of things to to you know whether that's yeah or nay. Um, I've heard the city is beginning to build a grid, okay, um, with that in mind, where you know, say say you're north of Bluery, say you know, I want to underpin. Um, maybe a caveat in in their uh, permit process is okay. Well, you're you're in a you know a known grid area of X Y Z soil. Um, you know you're going to need a soil test to to sort of get a permit granted yeah, per se. Yeah. Some areas don't. I don't believe require that. Um, but you know I would I would imagine you know especially given given sort of the tech side of things nowadays where you know back in the day to to sort of make a grid of all of Toronto manually on a big map would be like. We're not doing that, guys. No, um, you know, nowadays, you know, I would think it's a matter of, um, you know, they they have a little database and they throw in, you know, the code for whatever type of soil that is, and it aggregates through the years. And the next thing you know, they spit it and overlay it over Google Maps, and yeah. it's like, oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, so I would I would assume they're, um, I would assume that's the plan. You know, but it, but also it helps you out when you want to estimate. So then, if you've got an address, no you question. see it, and you had access to that grid, no question, you'd be like, okay, well, most likely you guys are at this condition, correct? So and we've been down that road before. Funny, yeah, yeah. Funny you say that because we've uh, just just recently, in the last few years, kind of digitized our entire process. You know, wow. prior to this was a lot of uh, paper, which you know was was reliable for forty eight years, right? And um, you know nowadays with stuff the way it is, yeah, you know all, all, almost all of our stuff is now digital strictly. Nice. Um, so in that sense, yeah, you know we we complete projects, and part of the completion of that job per se for us to be able to close the job, we we state the soil condition of that property. So we're going to have ourselves in the next couple of years our own little little internal you know, general overlay of what is to be expected. You know, we, we know through experience certain areas that already are like, oh, that's that's north of Dundas here in Oakville or something. That's, you know, that's going to be hardcore clay or, you know, we're, we're right at, um, you know, Rat Ray Marsh. We already know what that's about. Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we already have our own little pockets of information. But, yeah, we're, we're kind of working on our own little internal overlay scheme as well. Um, and, yeah, it's it just just from digging and, and you know, logging that information <laughs> per se, right? Back in the well, day. Well, you've got a like, job, oh, and I'm sure that you guys probably have job notes. and Yeah, exactly. You, you just, I mean, outside of finding bottles from 100 years ago or whatever, yeah. Pepsi, Coke bottles or whatever, and finding whatever little things that you guys would find, yeah. I mean, you're, you're also making mental notes about what the site conditions were oh, like. Big time. Big because time. you kind of have to, because most likely if you guys are there for a period of time, and a neighbor is considering rehabilitating that their structure, yeah. then they might give you guys a call first. And right. then all of a sudden, and I've said this to clients a thousand times mm-hmm. when it comes to things like this, don't start looking for the cheapest. Yeah. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's just a recipe for disaster. 
It's a common thing, right? And, you know, you, they want to, right? It goes back to, in a sense, to where it almost kind of depends on what kind of client that is, right? Because, you know, some, some clients, the, the, the aesthetics outweigh everything. It, and, you know, again, I can, I can wrap my head around that, right? You know, some, some people don't have experience with, with anything other than that. And that's, that's okay. Um, you know, so some clients look at that and say, yeah, you know, slap some tar on the wall, who gives a shit? You know, so they'll, or whatever, you know, they'll. Oh, I give a shit. Right, no, no, <laughs> you know, I, I hear you, right? So, you know, some, some clients are like, you know, yeah, the lowest price that, the, you know, that's, that's not a, a, a granite countertop per se, right? But then other clients know that, you know what, um, this is the reality, right? Like you're, you're generally excavating down to a footing and a huge amount of labor, um, whether that's with a machine from other guys or by hand with us, you know, it's, it's not as easy as, you know, well, if there's an issue, we'll just pop in and tighten a valve or re-glue a fitting or something. It's like, this it doesn't work. significant, right? Yeah. You know, once you get down there, you know, you get an application on the wall, you get the weeping tile system back in order and stuff like that. Like, that's A, it's not easy to remove if it's incorrect. It costs a huge amount of money to remove an, an you know, incorrect rubberized membrane application and then put on a proper application. Like, you know, it's, it's really, really terrible to do yeah. that. It costs a huge amount of money to... Yeah. So it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of go in there cheap and you do this and say, hey, you know, it still leaks. It's like the price just literally doubled. Because the amount of work that's involved you now. Know, it's it's like, you know, you're not saving yourself when it comes to this. And especially with waterproofing in a sense, like I kind of liken it in a sense to roofing where, okay, you know, <clears throat> you get up there, you get your repairs done. You know, it's, it's, you know, it looks good. It's all good. But at the same time, every single time it rains for the next 20 years, you're on the hook. Right, and our stuff is exactly the same. It's below the ground soil, as lovely and amazing as soil is. It's acidic. It's gnarly. It's gnarly. It chews, kills everything. Right, you put anything in the ground, it, it doesn't survive. Yeah. Right. So, the rubberized membrane, um, you know, all of the you know materials used to waterproof, like it's 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 definitely hardcore tested down there. And every time it rains and thaws, winter comes, things move, crack, crunch. You know, it's. It's kind of a hardcore warranty process, and that's one of the things we really push with with our waterproofing um, patches. Is that you know, um, you know, we can really truly guarantee that 15 year period. Um, you know, so the warranty to us is is really one of the most special parts of the waterproofing work we do, uh, because it's not easy to fix uh, waterproofing mistakes per se. It's almost better to not do anything and wait until it's done it's properly, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean. I remember, uh, there's a few questions I want to ask you. Sure. Um, I remember seeing a bunch of track building homes being built in the mid, early mid 80s. And they would spray that uh, just black paint. It wasn't even a waterproof membrane. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was just like. It's kind of like a primer. Yeah. Sort of thing. But you would see defects in the concrete. You would see possibly cold or shocks, right? Like the lines. Yeah. You would see just like, uh, then you've got the patches for the through bolts, right? Mm -hmm. And now you're just spraying this membrane on it. And I was like, that never made any sense to me. So when I started in construction, I was like, a membrane, a flexible membrane is where you should be going because we are in Canada. You have freeze-thaw cycles. You have earth that's moving up and down. It's hardcore. Like, it's it just like, you don't want just a can of spray paint. No handling that right but be, i want you to dive into i want to talk specifically about all that but i just i was curious if you knew this information because your dad started the business 48 years ago yeah yeah and, you know, how many jobs do you think you guys have done 
Like, is there, like, I don't even know what number would that um, be. A couple of years ago for some, some rep, uh, for some website work and, you know, a bit of rebranding and such, I, I, I loosely calculated, um, you know, part, part of our sort of sales literature as well is, you know, we've, we've issued um, over 10,000 warranties basement waterproofing warranties. Whoa. I was um, going to say you guys are the Wilt Chamberlain of uh, <laughs> waterproofing, but now you guys are beyond the Wilt Chamberlain, right? <laughs> oh, that's 10,000, wow. Eh? The Joe Sackick of waterproofing. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, everybody. Look it up. Yo. <laughs> okay, then, we'll, then you'll understand what we're talking about. Oh, love it, love it. No, but I love it that it's like five decades and you're like at five figures of jobs, Correct. Right? right? So like the, the, the library of... You know, Congress trace, there, traceable, like, trackable, yeah. provable. You know, my my mother was so diligent through through the decades. Uh, my, you know, my mother always handled the the office side of things. Dad in the field. You know, me course, as a young boy, growing the old up, school way. You know, yeah. two two sisters. All of us yeah, were kind of yeah. you know always in the mix, hopping in the truck on Saturday. Right? It was amazing, amazing yeah. stuff. And um, yeah, you know, we we have actual contracts still from 1975, 76. Mum keeps them. You know, I said, that's you know, insane. let's get a storage bin or something, you know, and, but, 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 but it's you flipping through it, that's history, pr- provable, lessons. trackable, yeah. traceable fact, right? It's like, that's, and take it to your business now. That's crazy stuff. That's insane. So that's why I wanted to, because that's valuable information mm-hmm. that when you guys arrive on site and you're talking to a client yeah. and you want to have a, a legitimate conversation with them and, or with the engineer, yeah. the conversation is productive. Oh yeah. No, no, that, you know, I, 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 it's not confrontational. Truth be told, I don't like to have conversations that aren't productive. Like, I know, you know, and it, because it, you it, have you have a scope and you know exactly what's required. Yeah, there's parameters, and you could kind oh, of, of go course. certain ways here and there. There's sure. options you can kind of go certain sure. ways here and there. But I mean, bottom line is that if the objective is to base your like, Toronto is famous, and a lot of the older homes they were famous that basements were never used to be as a dwelling. No, never no. ever, and that's the reason Absolutely. why they were so short. Absolutely, that's, it, it was always done as a storage. It was always a sandy pit. You never put anything down there that had concerns of being moisture. The old man had a saying for that back in the day, and I, you know, we we still use it now. You know, basements back in the day they were for coal shoots, yeah, and the occasional Hogmanay party, New that's Year's, it. you know, that's it, New Year's party, right? Exactly. Like, live in a basement. Who would who in their mind would do that nowadays? Like. Who wouldn't? It's extremely right? valuable so, uh, real estate. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's you know a footprint right there. A you know a free floor per se. Right. So yeah, you know nowadays a basement is an assumption to use, but back in the day, like it's for food storage, man, and parties. I know, like I know. nobody goes down there. You know, coal coal shoots over there. Like it's nasty, right? But yeah, no stuff changes as as it always does, right? You know, going back to that whole thing of you know land in particular areas, like you can't you can't fabricate it. You can like it. It's there, or it's you know you want it or you don't. Right, you can't, um, you know, make up another floor of your house, right? It's, it's, it's <laughs> well, you know what? In certain er- neighborhoods in Toronto, you're getting people that have the dollars, oh, and, yeah. they're, and they're digging even further. Because I, I love the fact that oh, in yeah. in our city, I don't know how it is in other cities, but in our area, there is no rule of how deep you can go. Yeah, for real. So if you wanted to put a parking garage underneath your house, all it means is just labor, waterproofing, yeah, and HVAC system to recirculate air. Right. But people are parking their parking garages under there because they've yep. got a car collection, or they're putting uh, golf simulators. Yep. They're putting movie theaters. Golf simulators are are that's a big thing. It that's is a big thing, right? You know, it is 
clients request underpinning specifically for these simulators, right? They need the 14, 15 foot clearance and a little pocket and hey, that, that sounds good to us. Well, right? we you can know? just dig and dig and dig and dig and go <laughs> as far down as that's possible. That's right, man. Oh, yes, yeah. you can. That's right. That's right. Please hire the right company and do not hire the cheapest. Oh my goodness. Yes. No, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. It's no. as simple as that. But I, I want you to walk the, the listeners through how you guys, because I know you have a special process with the, the, the waterproofing, mm-hmm. right? So if you want to walk them through how you guys handle that. Sure, sure. So, you know, if, if it's, if it's an exterior application, which, you know, generally speaking is, is always kind of the way to go. Um, if you have access issues, you know, you can't get out there. There's, you know, an addition in the way or something along these lines, or, uh, you know, there's, there's inside applications as well, but that, you know, anything inside is more, uh, generally akin to like block foundation walls. Um, you know, so anything else other than that outside is, is, is always the way to go. You know, thinking about the, you know, the hull of a ship or a boat, you know, there's a hole in it. You want to patch it from the outside, not the inside kind of a, you know, simple, uh, thing there but um yeah you know essentially getting down to the footing um you know we we prefer by hand you know other guys prefer other means and such um you know whatever works for you yeah yeah no and for sure you know and and you know there 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 are some exceptional circumstances like hey you know what this one this one could could be done with machine you know it's i don't know wide open no landscaping or something but it doesn't happen too often um it was yeah we we kind of get right down to the footing um from there kind of clean off the wall find that crack find you know the active tie rod holes you know whatever the issue is per se um you know get everything nice and clean hydraulic cement sort of lock all those up first and foremost uh get that weeping tile system running um you know inspect it repair it um you know kind of right off the top you know that you ever see the crack like right through like you ever see daylight oh yeah Really? That, oh, absolutely. That much movement, eh? That happens too, you know, and, and that, that generally would, you know, would require an underpin. That's not a waterproofing issue anymore. Right. So, so that, that would start to bridge into a structural zone, yeah. you know, and now we say, okay, so generally, you know, when you do see a foundation wall cracked where you can see, you know, worst case scenario, light through it or something where it's a significant opening, it's like, okay, so, you know, both of those pieces of foundation wall, both of those pieces of concrete foundation wall to their footings are now separate from each other. Um, and they're in flux, they're moving, yeah. right? So really, generally speaking, kind of the go-to repair in that case is to dig under the footing or, you know, burr underneath, form up an underpin, underpin that, get your rebar in, vibrate it, clean up nice, dig the form out, and now, you know, the actual footings are now reconnected through that underpin, and then in turn, you know, begin to to sort of patch that crack, waterproof yeah. the wall, yeah. um, you know, so in... in in the case that the footing itself is cracked or, or, or it's close to being cracked, and yeah, an underpin will sort of lock that uh, where it stands. Like the notion of bringing, you know, the notion of bringing cracked or moving walls back together and such is generally a fool's errand. You know, you start to get mixing up with, you know, uh, hydraulic equipment and stuff, and you never quite get it's there. It's a band-aid effect at that point. You know, and it's, yeah. it's one of those things that, you know, the most realistic approach here is, you know, we need to, you know, we need to move with the call of nature in this sense here the structure has chosen to move however why ever whatever know, reason there's reasons and let's lock it right where it stands to bring it back to where it was that's in the past yeah you know let let's let's not um let's not dig into that because that's it just keeps going um so yeah kind of locking it where it stands um with an underpin you know assuming the crack was was massive and right through yeah. um so once the underpin's cured essentially uh yeah hydraulic cement work uh, prime the wall. Um, we use a rubberized material from uh, USC Hickson. It's a travel on, very thick rubberized membrane. Um, Can it be applied to boulder 
foundations or right. is that so too rough or you got to parge has to be parged has yeah. to be parged you know, for, for figure, um yeah, yeah rubble stone or, or you know field stone foundation yes. walls yes yeah. they're definitely has which to be are pretty common stone. in toronto absolutely. and hamilton absolutely all yeah. over the place right yeah. you know even um even just brick like like actual brick brick foundation that's i've seen those that's as kind well, of around too, too right yeah. so um surprisingly some of those hold up pretty good you know down there you know some of them don't but if the uh, water mitigation is good correct yeah that's it's, what it is, right? You know, it's 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 all about the water, you know, in that sense, you know, a simple thing again, right? Like, you know, water water brings all life, but it also takes all life. And I won't point right? fingers and at the, the, the hardscapers and sprinkler systems. But if you buy a home and all of a sudden you want to have water at any given time and you're seeing spray patterns just shoot into basement walls. Pretty common. And all of a sudden, you start seeing a crack, and you start seeing a leak, and I'm like, so you basically brought Mother Nature right to your house, and didn't show where Mother Nature can go out. Correct. That's what we're supposed to do. Correct. Mother Nature's there, but she's got to be kind of shown where to go. Correct. Away from your structure. And to to be gentle, in a sense, with Mother Nature, you know, say say you have garden beds or something along the foundation walls, you know, you want to keep those, those uh, uh, plants and such alive. I can understand that, you know. Drip hoses, you know. That's what I was just about to very, say. Very, very yeah. subtle. Just give it a little bit of water. Oftentimes, yeah, like you know, it's it's you know, it can be classic, right? We'll you know, we'll come to a you know a uh, client's house. They have a crack. They have a leak. You know, standard thing. And you know, the very first thing you do, look up at the trough work. Yeah, there's downspouts, troughs spilling yeah. over. The fascia is disconnected. You know, there's a huge influx of water here. Or oftentimes, there's a downspout right where the crack is, right? And there's a little elbow, and that's it, right? And for 10, 15 Such years, a small little detail you causing know, a massive problem absolutely you know if, if 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 people understood the importance in a sense of, of trough work fascia all of that being perfection there would be significantly less wet basements yeah I'll tell you that um sprinklers and you know sprinkler systems and such similar kinds of things um you know to have it out you know on the lawn and such for grass you know that's you know as long as it doesn't spray towards the house generally that 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 should be okay Oftentimes, we'll literally see the sprinkler heads inches from the foundation wall, and they literally just like they're just basking the brick, and it's like, okay, kind of a straightforward thing, right? It's kind of like you're at the moment going, I kind of know who's responsible for this, <laughs> and then just hold up a mirror right in front of the clients and just go, I'm sorry, but you guys hired um, a sprinkler system that wasn't correctly installed. That's basically it, right? You know, and your and flowers look great, everything looks great, wonderful, you know, but the. Uh, <laughs> The structure is no structure is going <laughs> to fall apart. No, but I I, I I mean it's it's just really ironic how such a simple thing. Yeah, that's there should really be a school of house maintenance or something like that, or someone should have a course of house maintenance. That's an interesting idea. I just I don't like I don't want to do it. I got too much on my plate. Right? <laughs> but I mean, like it, it just it because yeah, I mean, just just standard house maintenance stuff, right? Yeah, just little things because you you hear these really scary stories where I've had clients actually come up to me. He goes, "Listen, man, can you come by and just hang a picture of us? Because I don't know how to hang a picture." And I'm like. You first want to just say, how do you not know how to hang a picture? Especially with YouTube these yeah. days. You do you not have a dual drill to start off with? Like, that's where the beginning is, right? Yeah. But, I mean, just, but they don't, and they just don't. So I can only assume that they really have no idea. No, no. And, and you know, you know, going back to that thing in a sense, you know, some people, um, you know, just live in a different world, right? How, you know, how could they know, you know? Um, I don't know. I come home and I go to the upstairs. Right. It's not until they renovate the downstairs. Right, and then they really know. Then they either put carpet or they put something, and then maybe they trim it out with MDF, and MDF starts to swell up as if it's a sponge mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And you're like, where's all this moisture? Mm. 
you know, big holes in the ground, right? That's that's what basements are. Big bowls. Let's go outside and all we see is, you know, and it's you know those those times you can catch it are the times that people by default never go outside. Yeah, massive rainstorm, thunderstorm, huge volume of water. It's the last thing you think of. I'm going to go outside. Why would you go outside? You know. But that's the time when you get your raincoat on, you start looking. Yeah, yeah. You see yeah. the East Trough waterfall. It's just. It just goes way past it. Plain, plain sight, right? Like I it's, know. you know, oh, crack and this and that. Like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's the thing, you know. Again, water, beautiful, but it's got to stay away from, from masonry related materials, right? And if you can do that, you can achieve that. You can drain that away. Good weeping tile system, good sump, good grade, good trough work. You're generally safe. Yeah. You know, and, um, Going back to the thing you said there in the past about, you know, seeing houses built back in the day with just loose foundation coating and um, before drainage board or dimple board, they used to use like tin test. What was tin test? It was like, um, it was like a, a fabric board per se. Um, I'm trying to, if, if you went to Google images and type T-I-N-T-E-S-T, like you'd see it, it, you know, four by eight sheets and it was like a sheet. So there's. Penetration points. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was kind of a precursor to drainage board. Okay, you but know, drainage so like, board works because it's continuous. Right, right. It's the height of the actual foundation. It, it, exactly, and you know, as 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 you backfill the drainage board, those dimples themselves compress, but it allows channels down to the weeping tile. Yeah, right? very brilliant idea. Brilliant. He's on a beach right now, just counting his mojitos. Right? No question. <laughs> and whoever did that, good for them, because yeah. that's a really simple, brilliant little solution to an age-old issue yeah so that's awesome but prior to that existing yeah tintest was really one of those materials that it, i guess attempted to do that um i don't even know if they sell it anymore honestly like probably not i, I wouldn't even know to buy it sheets but. and it's just a point of uh, like uh like you'll see water penetrating on this how, how would you seal the joints the well like underneath the um what's this oh you found tintest yeah over there say the natural fiber that stuff there tintest yeah it usually was like a tar board type thing. So behind the tin test, you would put your foundation coating on the wall just like you kind of see, I guess, there. Got it. Okay. And then the tin test was an attempt to vertically wick water to clay weeping tile, maybe. Does that work? Or it looks like it's just a porous version of a That's MDF what it is. Kind of Correct, yeah. So I, I look at it as like I'm waiting for chia seeds to grow on it. <laughs> right, yeah. That's, no, no. It's, it's, right? it's just saturated with water. You know, so whoever... This is the way they used to do it, essentially. And, you know, as, as years pass, naturally, that tin test, it just decays, right? Like, you know, to dig up a foundation wall that, that had tin test on it, like what you'll find, you'll never find the tin test. You'll just find, you know. Sawdust or something. Yeah, like just, yeah. just tears. Compost. And stairs and strips <laughs> of it, right? So like, oh, yeah. But it did help back in the day before drainage board. It did help us where... We'd waterproof the wall sort of with our, our you know, proprietary application per se. Um, and then we put the tin test in front of the patch. And when we backfill, the tin test would offer a separation layer between all the soil and the rocks and yeah. all the crap going in. Yeah. So it wouldn't scratch our patch and damage it upon backfill. Yeah. You know, so back in the day, that was helpful. Drainage board, of course, does that now. You know, you wouldn't want to backfill a rubberized membrane. But you were protecting the tin test Correct. too. Yes. And that's more of an application of just a tin test. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that... That, um, you know, going back to the foundation coating applications of the 70s where they used to just spray on the black stuff, yeah. throw the tin test on, backfill it. Yeah. That was it. You know, part of that, I would guess, um, had to do with the fact that with new homes, that, that warranty program was only a couple of years. Uh, that's not very... And so they said, okay, well, we're going to go minimum because by the time this becomes an issue, we're out of the mix. 
So it's like, okay, what's the minimum? Throw it on, build the house, backfill it. Everyone moves in. They're happy. Everything's great. When this wall cracks in five years, it's on you. Like it's not on the the the, how the many, developers or the builders. So they just you know they that's just what they did. How many builders of the past, when they built these homes a hundred years ago, were expressing that same thought? <laughs> Nobody was. And, you know they they were thinking of their children's children's yeah. children probably living in that yeah, house, right? And exactly, it's just a um, different way of seeing the world, right? And there's you know some some places in the world that still kind of build under those principles. Um, you know, you see, you know, even even through Latin America, you know, the Caribbean, you know, even still parts of Europe as well, Asia yeah. as well, you know, like Eastern Europe, right? Like these houses are built, vibrated concrete to the to the roof, rebar, like it's just like, wow, these things are like not decades, centuries, man, wild, 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 right? Oh, and I like know. you know, no one would ever quote unquote in Oakville build a house out of poured concrete, three stories tall to the, like you know. Buildings and commercial, you know, maybe, but it's just something they they wouldn't do, you know. And it's just different mindsets, different perspectives, right? And to some people, twenty years is good. Other people, they're looking, you know, two centuries in. That's why I was asking about the the, the whole forever home. Are we going to stay here? Because right. if people had more of a mindset that sure we're going to stay here, then it becomes a generation home. Right. It gets handed down to either our children or our children's children. It's a beautiful thing. Like, I mean, that's a European mentality where exactly. it's like the home is always passed down inside the family. And the way things are going, you know. That's what it's becoming now. Look at the real estate market now. Yeah. And then imagine it 20 years. It's not going to magically, oh, yeah, you know, homes are open to everyone. Doubt it. Right? So maybe we go back to the old school, right? There, there's a an old sci-fi series called Dune. I don't know if you've ever. I've seen it. Well, I based on the, the book yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah frank herbert's and uh, they're they're so far in the future in dune you know dune takes place like twenty thousand years from now like as far in the future i've ever seen a sci-fi novel written it's yeah. like everything is known everything's understood everything is everything per se but they're so far ahead that every single human being or every single life form in the dune series has a personal force field device and it's literally impenetrable yeah everybody has a force field by default on them at all times. So the notion of like projectile weapons, blasters or guns or anything like that, that's sailed. There's no more guns in the universe yeah, because yeah, yeah. perfection through tele through um, um, armor armor is perfected. Yeah. So of course everyone warfare has now gone back to blades because blades can come Point through. Point of income. Correct. Yeah. The force field can't stop a blade. So now it's back to sword play, right? So things, you know, you get too far stuff. It starts back at the beginning again. I don't know. It's so... I'd love to see that here in Canada, kind of get to that point, but I just don't see how you do it when you've got a profit monster. That's the thing, right? It's it's a beast with no um, accountability. No, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And it, you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's hard to say, it's, but you know, the appetite is infinite, right? Yeah. It's you know, profit driven, and I, you know, again, so I can wrap my head around certain parts of that, but at the same time, you know, greed is blind, and you know, I don't know, right? But you, you correct me if I'm like when your dad started, it started with hard work for a hard day's pay. Oh, no question. It still and is. It still c- and it still is. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But oh, the yeah. thing is, you're, you haven't been around for 48 years because you're not making money. Right. You're still profitable. Oh, yeah. But you're conscious of accountability. And that's like that's smart way of handling business. And and we can dog the government. You know, like if the government ran, if if we ran our businesses like the government, we <laughs> you wouldn't have forty eight years here. 
No. You wouldn't. You'd be tin testing everything, right? <laughs> right? That's what you'd be doing. And oh, well, we were surprised that it fell apart. Why okay. did it fall apart? I hope they're not watching, but you, oh, know, the, the, you know, the government have never been, you know, jur- you know, even, even in times of, you know, it, it, it's terrible as it sounds, even in the times of infinite business, say like during World War II, there, there was no shortage of things to make. Yes. There was no shortage of, you know, money to be made for corporations and such. Even in that zone, you know, they paid 10 times the of amount course. of money of course. Uh, for a tire than was required, you know? Um, I will say this though: the government's never been good capital allocators in that sense, right? Like, but they don't have an incentive structure to make them. You know, like, hey, if we don't do this, There's everyone's no out of a job. Like, you know, there yeah. is no. If you if you mess you know, up, so then you should be fired. Because guess what? That's what happens in the real world, right? And, but and they don't they don't get fired. And it's tough too because if you know all of that government sides of things was sort of private controlled, you might see more efficiency gains. But at the same time, um, risk of I, I, I don't know. It's a really delicate thing where it's almost like in some senses to keep things, you know, quote unquote neutral. You have the government, they're bloated, they blow dough, they don't really know. But at the same time, there isn't one single person who's like got it all under their grip. It's kind of a mishmash of confusion and let's hope this works out. But the alternative of say, I don't know, you know, going back to the sci-fi thing anyways, you know, you'd have a corporatocracy where that government would be a government, but they'd actually just be a corporation with board members and things. And then you look at that world and you're like, fuck man, that turns out to be RoboCop. It's exactly <laughs> what it's become. Or whatever. It's like, man. So I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a scary thought, but I mean, I just like at the beginning when we were talking about how like, this is the price of homes, this is what it's going to be. Construction is just getting higher and higher. To maintain these structures, you have to maintain. People think that they get a brand new dwelling and I don't have to do anything but repaint the walls. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to maintain machinery, ductwork, all kinds of stuff. Filters have to be maintained, have to be replaced. Alarms have to be tested. Windows have to be tested. Your your water mitigation, that has to be tested. You have to make sure that they didn't make an error on that way. You have to make sure that no sprinkler head was faulty. You have to make sure that, I don't know, squirrels or anybody else didn't go up there and damage some of your east drop. You have to maintain all Flashing. Flashing has to be correctly installed. And you've got to have trades on your dwelling that actually care about the purpose of the application of the product. Correct. You can't just mindlessly put on your blinders and install that product yep. and hope that it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah, and that's that's one of the missing links in a sense with some of the you know stouter sort of trades is you know anyone can throw a tap con on a wall or whatever, but um, that's you know that vision per se of supporting that yeah. as time goes on, right? You know. You go to a house, you know, you waterproof, et cetera, et cetera. You know, as, as, as wild as it sounds, you know, we've, we've had calls, you know, we've, we've done, you know, little, little single crack repairs in Oakville. That's kind of the smallest thing we would do would be like a single yeah. crack repair waterproof yeah. type thing. And, you know, we did that and, uh, you know, our, our, our warranty would be 15 years, which is the um, products warranty, right? So, you know, there's all these warranty schemes out there, a lifetime or this and that. But they're applying products sort of to the wall that literally manufacturers say this is only good for 10 years. So how can you offer a lifetime warranty on a 10-year product? But it's a marketing ploy. There's no question, right? And most people can see through that and such. But, you know, in, in our sense there, yeah, you know, our, our, our warranty specification is what the manufacturer specified the product is good for, 15 years. It's transferable within that time. 
you sell the home, new homeowner gets the warranty, the remaining area happens all the time. Yeah. We meet clients all the time. Hey, you did this for Mrs. Smith in the past. We bought the home. Just wanted to come by, take a peek, if you'd see anything else. So we kind of, you know, can continue and develop relationships that way as well. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, honestly, we've had calls. I, I, I shit you not. We have a 15-year warranty. We've had calls 14 years 11 months and five days. Hey, that, that crack you did Seriously? in 92, it's got a leak. Really? We'll be there in the morning, Mrs. Smith. Really? Straight up. And it leaked? Slightly. You okay. know, after, you know, 15 years underground, which is an exceptional thing, right? And wow. honestly, more often than not, the clients are like, how much? It's like, thank you. You know, that's very nice, right? They, they kind of recognize that, man, 15 years underground. That's a long time. That's a really long time. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, a stud or a plumbing or they, you know, it is in a yeah, sense. But, but You're renovating your kitchen within that time. Right. You're changing your furnace within that time. For sure. You're changing all your appliances guaranteed in that time. Guaranteed. Unless your appliances are all of green or yellow, <laughs> then they're still working. Sure, sure. Uh, so you're yeah, changing, no, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you, like There was a reason why those appliances kept on working. It must have been the paint. Uh, That's how the free world stays free, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, you're changing all these things. So to, to like, you can't really fault your work lasting 15 years. No, for sure. And, you right? know, especially in an environment that hostile. Yeah. Right? And, you know, clients 99% of the time are like, no problem. You know, we, like we veered off a tiny bit because I didn't let you finish off the waterproof. No, no, it's all good. It's no, all because I know that. You, okay, so you want to continue putting on? So you got the membrane on. Yeah. So parging. We talked about parging because of rubble walls. Right. 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 So um, you know, if if the walls moved or it's cracked, you know, an underpin may be required, maybe not be. You know, that's one side of things. Uh, if it's rubble stone or field stone, you know, you definitely need to parge that so you have some level working surface. So that's that. Um, so with sort of the most common kind of repair port concrete wall cracked down the middle. Uh, hydraulic cement, sort of lock that up nice and clean, prime it, trowel on um, a rubberized membrane. We use a material from USC Hickson. Yeah. Um, fantastic product. You know, we've, we've been using it for 48 years, right? So wow. put all of our weight behind that and say, hey, seen it last 15 years. It does. So that's an amazing thing. On top of that, fiberglass mesh, it gives the patch a little bit of rigidity and movement because things keep moving through the winter time yep. winter time is a real big test of things here in this part of the world um you know in the south and such you know a little bit different right there's no winter there's no frost buildings have different specifications down there they have different they things they look move, out for but they, they move up. yeah you know rains and moisture make things yeah. kind of you know you know the the expansion that that you know that divine expansion of ice from liquid water to ice of course that is a force that is literally non- People, people don't understand. Non-negotiable. It, it is, know. you know, it's carved our planet, literally. So if it wants to move the porch, pretty sure it's probably going to do the deal, right? So we keep that in mind and such, you know, expansion. But um, so, yeah, so on uh, on top of the USC Hickson product, a uh, layer of um, fiberglass mesh, another layer of rubberized membrane from USC Hickson, um, 12 plastic on top of that, and then drainage board is generally the finished layer. So there's about like five layers, nice, how clean was that termination bar. Penetrated. It, yeah, no, it, uh, you know, water, water doesn't find its way in. Shouldn't that um, be, uh, like, I might be too naive and just saying, shouldn't that just be in the building code? Should be. The the cost to do it is, is versus sort of what, you know, it, it 
it goes back to, you know, economies of scale, right? You know, you're building 200, 400 houses and you say, okay, what's the minimum legal thing to do here? And these developers, they do the minimum, right? You know, you want to have a premier situation, that's a different, you know, price point, right? You know, maybe in the future clients can check, you know, on the thing, hey, you know, I want to have a, you know, the Rolls Royce of basement waterproofing, never want to worry again, they click the box and then we come in and do that, I'm not sure, but, you know, cost-wise, it's, you know, significantly higher than just foundation coating, um, you know, so they, they should and maybe they will in the future and, and with a lot of the, um, you know, climate changing and, you know, water stuff is wild, wild, yeah. wild, so like, I could see building code evolving away from just minimum. I think it's, I honestly want to say it's still just foundation coating and drainage board. I want to say that's kind of where it is. You know, Which if engineers are involved, like they'll it. say, hey, you know, we need a rubberized membrane here. It's a band-aid. If an engineer's there, I agree. I agree, right? And, you know, again. But, the, but they, your, your system, you correct me if I'm wrong, commercial structures, that's mandatory, right? You, you have to make it that waterproof. Yes. For parking structures, mechanical systems. Correct. All that stuff. You're, that is you're literally building a bathtub. Correct. And also, I know there's other companies out there that do the reverse blind because of how narrow the blots are and what's being built. So you actually have to do it on the inside. Right. But you're doing all those layers mm-hmm. to prevent Mother Nature from entering that Entering, yeah. dwelling. Exactly. So why do we put so much emphasis on this commercial structure but not on our own that's 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 a good uh, that's a good question, right? You know, the the commercial world has has already kind of evolved there. Um, residential, you know, lags behind reasons why I don't exactly know. Costs. That's usually the punchline with yeah. those things, right? Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, um, and it, you know, I, 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 you know, quote unquote, I can understand their perspective a little bit too. Maybe I don't agree with it, but you know, I can understand why they just go minimum. Right, because then where does it start? Where does it stop? But what about the roof? You know, let's get a two hundred year roof up here, like minimum, minimum. Like, I don't know, right? So you know, and and at you know at the same time, you know the the local government and municipalities, you know, they want to attract developers, development. You know, I'm sure they want to do it or try to want to do it right, plan it out for the future. Whether they do that or not, I don't know. But um, you know, as as things go, right? There's always facets and stuff. And then you know, really as a homeowner, where it's like, okay, well. I live in XYZville and this is my house and I'm going to stay here for 40 years. I'm going to have to take responsibility and do it the expensive way and just not rely on the systems in the world that would, maybe they should have been done 20 years ago, but it wasn't. So it's like, you know what? I'm, yeah, I'm going to take the hit and do it. Right. So some clients look at it like that, you know, where, um, you know, maybe it should have been done to begin with. It wasn't, and here's what here's what it is, right? I think in the back of their head, they're like someone's nagging at them, saying, "We're not going to stay here past ten years or twenty years." And absolutely, years. You know, so why are we going to spend all that extra no, for money sure. for that? For sure. Let it be someone else's problem. For sure, and and you know things things kind of coming back to how they used to be in a sense. I could absolutely see um, a societal transition into. Um, staying in places for a really long time yeah. like it used to be because I, I, I'm i not sure if the future is going to be friendly per se when it comes to bouncing around for the normal average family, right? Um, that forever home might just be the standard in 20 years. More people working from home. For sure, all of it, right? It's, it's And you want to maximize every square inch of your home. Right. Why suffer your basement or why build a basement a certain way that it, like... It causes problems later on. Of course. And, you know, 
you plan on using that, that's where all this, you know, you already have it finished. You know, oftentimes the these basements are finished very, very nicely and big rainstorm comes and bam, the carpet's soggy. It's like, oh, those are the ones that you have those storms and, and you see such water like runoff. Yeah. And you can see the homeowners that opted not to do it properly. Yep. Just that tight sphincter going on and worrying about what's going to happen now. Right. You know, it's tough, right? Cause it, you know, it cascades into finished materials it does. And it cascades into the trophy case or whatever. Right. It's like, it's, it's horrific. It's freaking horrible. Um, I think back to the maintenance class or whatever homeowners, I think before they actually get the property, they should take a test on what should be done or what should have been done for your basement water. Sure. Sure. I think it should be like, they. I think the top and the bottom, right. I, like I don't choose the windows and you have great windows or whatever, but I mean, as long as they're installed properly and they're, they're cocked properly and then the brick or the siding or whatever material is done properly. And it's actually, those are all, those terminations are all taken care of. And then you pay attention to any kind of mechanical terminations that are coming out of the structure and they're sealed properly and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think extra emphasis put on the roofing mm-hmm. and also the foundation. Right. Here in Canada and Toronto and other, stru- like other places that have basements as a dwelling and livable space, I think that it should be done as a bare minimum the way you guys are doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the building code is fair enough because that's basically just a recipe that it will actually, if water mitigation isn't taken care of properly and someone starts to change the grade or starts to put flower beds or starts to do certain things, then water is going to start to move in that direction and then enter your structure. Right. Because that drainage and just the spray is not enough. No. I don't think it's enough. It definitely isn't, and you know the 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 phone ringing is kind of proof of that. You yeah, know, you know, in that sense. So, um, yeah, you know, it 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 would be a nicer finished package for homeowners to have that done in advance, right? And you know, of course, the amount of disruption it takes to dig a whole perimeter up of a foundation like that, like everything you're moving the AC, you're moving the trees, you're moving the porch, you're you moving the disconnect. The, Sometimes you got to disconnect gas. All of right, like right? so much stuff. Um, you know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a big deal, Yeah, but I mean, and it's doable. Yeah, it's totally doable, but it's just something I just, I, I always, I'm always a fighter of what clients don't think are pretty things. Of course. Yeah. And in my opinion, this is pretty things. This falls under pretty things. For sure. And, and, you know, even, even, even to bring things back to, to, to a simple thing, you know, all, all the most important things in life are, are, are are the things that may not be visible to yeah. the outside world, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and that goes for human beings and all inside things and all these things. Those are those are the most instrumental key things that need to be sort of taken into account first and foremost. And no one else can see those things. You can't explain those things to people. And with the structure, like I don't see any difference between the two in a sense. You know, like you know those those items that you can't see are the most important. Like you yeah. know that that I beam running down the stretch of the spine of a house, like the entire structure is sitting on it. Like what's going on with that? Is it cut? Oh, it's cut in the middle. Someone 20 years ago cut it for whatever, like, see it all the time. It's just, it's like. Because they just bought a brand new grinder. Or whatever, right? <laughs> 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 Reasons why, you know, you know, even 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 to, you know, someone who doesn't know about stuff, they say, man, like, the size of that beam, that must be doing something significant. Let's fucking cut it. No, like, don't. <laughs> There's a reason that someone spent the time and effort getting that thing in here. Oh, man. You know, and replacing those, bringing those out with steel when everything's existing, that's that's a mission, man. That's a mission. I'm sure we didn't even really talk. I mean, I, I almost feel like we have to do a second show, but we've got to get into like I, I still want to talk briefly a little bit about the whole underpinning because that's sure, sure. It's not. 
It's not the glamorous part of construction. No. It's like, it's it depends on if you hit water table. I mean, you're, you're wearing rubber boots. You're going to be in that suction of mud just <laughs> and just like and sometimes you'll lose your rubber, you know, boots or whatever. Oh, and now yeah. you got socks going into mud and that's your day and like, ah, oh, that's shitty. But it's not a very glamorous position to be in. No. But it's a, I go back to it, it's an extremely important one. I agree. I agree. You know, we, we um, you know, I, I look at underpinning and, and, and all the labor and all the sweat and the tears involved in pulling a project like that off is, you know, I view it as very honorable, <laughs> you know, very rewarding. Well, word. When it's like, done, like you know. totally earned, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, and anyone who's, who's, who's done underpinning, you know, you talk to trades guys and oh, what do you do? I underpin like, Oh shit. Yeah. You know, respect like, if you know, you know, right. It's, yeah. you know, it's a go. Um, Have you seen a lot of fly by night companies just come out of the woodwork to get into this yeah, business yeah, and no, sell their sure. services, undercutting proper companies? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, and and it's and it's such like, it couldn't be a more risky project to do no as a fly by night. Where no it's shit. like you know you're you're, you're you really out need to know your stuff. Holy shit! You know you're hanging out. You know that know. you can't fake it till you <sighs> fucking have the house drop. <laughs> and you know as as you know as you see in in the media and articles and shit, and like fuck people die. Uh, yeah, underpin collapse in fucking East York, three dead. Like, oh shit! How many stages did you do it? Stages? They always did it all in one <laughs> shot. Like, oh shit! We did it all in one shot. We had carjacks in every corner. Carjacks can hold a house, no? It, it's depends on the car. <laughs> depends on the car, right? Exactly. It's definitely not. No, a, man. Stages. Come on. My gosh, you know. So um, earlier, like, say, say before. Um, covid stuff maybe five six seven years ago there seemed to be a big influx of underpinning crews and guys and coming out of there have at her but um as covid came and such a lot of them i don't see them mentioned or around anymore so there's this it seems to shrunk down a little bit in size as in like people doing it they got caught right you know something happened or whatever right um a caveat with the underpinning too is like okay so so you know you pull off an underpin structurally that's great congratulations now you get her excavated, that's great. That's that's a tough go. But part of the caveat with the whole thing is that, okay, generally you're underpinning a, a client's basement because really they want to finish that basement. They want to make an apartment. They want to make a um, have a tenant down there. Maybe it's for grandmother, you know, all these different scenarios. But all kinds of. Right. You yeah. know, never do you underpin a basement and the client's like, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Like, just leave it like there's always, you know, yeah. the client's spending so much money, there's so much effort involved that clearly they're transforming that space into a livable space 99% of the time, right? So there's that. Um, you underpin, that's great. Now, as you underpin, you're kind of dropping the water table in that part of the neighborhood, and now that underpin is going to generally collect more water than the neighbors because they're only at six feet or five feet, and you're at full eight or nine or even 12 people there's there's some pretty wild stuff, right? I can it, imagine. You know, like you said, going down, it it, it goes on them forever. Yeah. Um, going up used to go on forever until airplanes were invented. <laughs> For real, true. <laughs> no, story. no, it's true. And then they zipped her at whatever yeah. they zipped her at, but yeah. uh, airspace used to be infinite space. Yeah. But um, anyway, so so you know, you get all that done, everything's great. Now the water table's low. Now what that means too is that the 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 pressure for water to want to come into that excavation or into that underpinning um, completion is tripled, very, very high. Yes. Right. So the waterproofing detail that happens after the underpinning is done is easily just as important as everything else, right? Structurally, that's first and foremost, that's great. You know, 
all the all the uh, steps there are great, but in 15 years from now, what they're most worried about is the water penetration. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the fly by night situations kind of, you know, if they can get that far, congratulations. But the warranting of the waterproofing as, as 15 years, 20 years pass, yeah. that's really where they say, you know, two years in, oh, it's leaking, it's leaking. They're like, whatever. And it's like, whatever. You know, so clients are like, they really get caught, right, with like just shitty waterproofing warranties. And like warranties are really key because, again, it's not easy to redo. It's not like coming in and, oh, the, this pl- plumbing leaks, so just fix it. Like, but I got to fault the clients, some of the clients, I got to fault them because they're choosing the lowest price. You know, it, it, and there's certain things that you do not choose the lowest price. That's one of them. That's one of them. <laughs> you I know, mean, waterproofing, underpinning, um, I would say spray foaming. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like I don't like I don't want to see a spray foam guy show up on the site and there's a barrel of foam that's got a big huge expiry date on it. Yeah. And it's being used. I don't want to see an underpinning crew come in here and not be able to ha- carry the conversation about certain terminology, about certain steps right. and about certain people that should be involved at every single stage of that Correct. process. Correct. Like the, the, if you think about it at its own bare bones is that we're going to make a void underneath the structure. The entire perimeter of the structure, and then we're going to add volume underneath that void mm-hmm. to lower the depth of the structure. Correct. So we're affecting so many factors, yeah. and I get that. So I've done it before with crews, like well-respected crews, and I've had people get upset at me because I had work happening above. Mm-hmm. But the way we designed everything with the engineer and yeah. with the building inspector, which you're basically on first name basis with everybody that's involved because Correct. you're seeing them so often. Correct. And you basically might as well just go get beers and hang out with each other because much now right. you're familiar, right? Yeah, that's yeah, all no, it is, sure. right? You know, you pull enough of those off uh, in, in a row and it gets to a point with some of those guys, they're like, just, you know, send photos. That's, yeah. It's but they trust you now because they've seen it. So it's like you, you're, you're crossing all your and you're dotting all your eyes and, and you're doing it for a purpose so you feel confident that first of all technically speaking if you're doing it correctly that structure above or the structure that hasn't been disturbed doesn't move a millimeter correct so you can technically have workers going on on top no issue and continue doing the work that needs to be done on floors other what's the point i mean we're gc we're trying to figure out how to be most efficient with a structure yeah. so why am i going to have two floors above void while this work's going on. You know, 90% of the underpinning projects we do, like, you know, the clients are living there, yeah. right? Everything is normal up top. You know, we, we sort of barricade ourselves in the basement. We get in and out through our access window. And there's like, there's no connection between the two floors. Um, you know, so any any activity going on in the upper floor, like, of course. like Just continue it. It's, I, I was, I was, you know, if it's being done right, like, you wouldn't think twice. Why? It's, it's, it's funny having conversations with people that are not Canadian or people that don't construct in colder weather sure sure how they just assume that we stop construction in canada in winter months and i'm like how can we do that construction (laughs) continues we've just developed ways of doing it around cold weather simple as that it's as simple as that whether framers are shoveling snow off of plywood which becomes very slippery by the way and they're conscious of that oh yeah but i mean like it's like you continue otherwise it's like tenting and propane your brick lane yep you continue. Same with underpinning. Correct. I've done underpinning jobs before where we would come in in the morning and there's ice. Yeah. Because we've hit the water table. True story. And there's ice. <laughs> so it's like, yep. did you bring your skates? <laughs> like there's ice, right? <laughs> and I'm like going, well, it is this temperature outside. Yeah. And we are this low. Mm-hmm. 
uh, based on science. <laughs> it all adds up, man. <laughs> it just makes sense that there would be ice here in the morning. Sure. No, right? No, sure. And then, okay, first take the SDS and start breaking the ice, and let's continue digging. That's it. I want to ask you what arsenal tools you guys use in um, for, for the, for uh, waterproofing underpinning, or just, I guess for underpinning anything, what, I'm, I'm curious, I'm, I, this is an anomaly for me because I don't know what color you guys would be. Sure. So I'm assuming yellow. What's, what's the color? Thing, well, DeWalt, right? So it's Oh, DeWalt. I see. I see tools. Uh, um, I'm assuming, but then again, you're underpinning. So I'm assuming Bosch. Yeah. Bo Bosch is always the go-to chipping equipment. That's what I figured. Um, you know, so all, all of our chipping hammers, whether that's spade bit, um, it's a Bosch go-to brute Cro across the board. That's it. Across the board. That's it. Right. So any other chipping hammer other than Bosch, honestly, last 10 years, nah, it's always Bosch. So any, any, um, any chipping hammer, concrete road breaker, whatever, all of that is Bosch across the board for us. Uh, hand tools, honestly, um, Milwaukee, you know, yeah. like we're, you know, we're definitely not Finnish, like, you know, we're not Finnish guys per se. Right. So you know, kind of Milwaukee sawzalls and stuff like that for us for, you know, sh uh, shoring and this yeah, and that, yeah, forming yeah. and stuff. You know, we, we love that stuff. Um, hammer drill stuff, Bosch or Milwaukee. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, our, 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 our tool arsenal is pretty darn basic. Um, chipping hammers, brute road breakers, uh, normal hand tool stuff, Milwaukee stuff. Um, What's the go-to shovel? Honestly, what's the brand? Or I don't know. What's like? I mean, that that's the ironic part is the go-to shovel is the one that isn't a brand. It's um, honestly plain wood, just a wood handle. Plain. They sell them at Depot. They sell them at um, uh, Good Billing Supplies. Bernardi Billing Supply down yeah. the street here. Yeah. Love those guys. Many yeah. decades working with them. Um, the classic wood handle spade shovel. Honestly, the shovel at Bernardi is the gold standard shovel. It's 20 bucks type thing, you know what I mean? And, you know, there's been tons of, re as I say, reinventions of shovels, but different handle materials, all sorts of different things. And you kind of look at that. A bit of right. You and know. some moisturizers <laughs> and all kinds <laughs> right. of crap. Exactly. Give me a wood handle, yeah. man. You know, Wi-Fi connected, know. whatever like stuff. A wood handle, you know. Exactly. And, you know, all, all these alternative material shovels and such, you know, you look at them and think, oh, you know, it feels light and stuff. And, you start to sort of use it, go down the line with it. You're like, ah, I see. So it's lighter. It's it's decent. It flexes way too much where it's actually not strong. But then the third thing is when you start to get into the mud, the mud doesn't come off them. It's like if it doesn't come off, now it doubles the work because I'm throwing it out but actually throwing it up and then banging it three Bang times. It. Or my guy's shaving it off. It's like this is it's a trap at that point. It's right. So, yeah. you know what? Go back to the old basic, and the old basic mud just sort of slides off her. And it's like, you know what? A brand new shovel, every three months or so, you know, you go, it'll, it'll crack. Do you not shed a tear? It's part of the deal. When you actually, like, you, you bend or crack the, t the tip of the spade. Yeah. No, and you no, continue using it because you're reluctant to, I'm not giving it up. I got full commitment, you know, right, right to the end, man. I'm, I'm, I'm even though you I'm not one to right jump in and you have the line and it starts forming the line of the spade shut cut yeah, out, you know, and yeah. you're like, I'm not giving this shovel up. This nope, is it for sure. And, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll push those. This shovel and I have been through everything, everything man. man. War, man. War. Sometimes I look at it like war, man. We went, we're brothers in arms. Exactly. Know? So, right. I won't. When you finally do have to give it, I guess you kind of bury it somewhere. I don't know. Or you just. Viking funeral it. <laughs> Honestly, if, if, if it's a total write-off, I'll chop the handle off, keep the handle. Um, the bottom I'll usually toss type thing, but nice, you know, the, the handle I'll use as other handles break. 
sort of rotate handles, but just like the normal wood. Um, Get everybody to engrave their name on it. Yeah, no, for, yeah, I love <laughs> it. I love it. it. Put it on the wall. It. You know, that's that's uh, yeah. Shovel, shovel's definitely my uh, my number one homie. So buckets, <laughs> buckets too. Oh, buckets are gold. Five man. gallon buckets. And yeah, shovels, that is it, dude. Buckets are gold. The whole you can do the whole show with those things. And I and I want to kill any tradesperson that leaves the plastic handle on the side of the. Oh my gosh, man! If you don't listen, if you don't tuck it, fuck it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> come on, you man! Gotta put, you got to put the handle in. If yeah. you don't, it's just they, <laughs> they they merge, they become one, and it's like you know what, man? You lost the plot. I know, man. <laughs> Gavin, this has been an absolute pleasure. No doubt. Dude. No I mean, doubt, we man. talked a lot about. It. There's so much more. We got to get you back on the show. and we'll talk more stuff because I'm fascinated by the stuff, and I Beautiful. I try. I know I know homeowners listen to the show. Yeah. They're just quiet as fucking mice, right? Yeah, and I just, I, I keep on reaffirming that message. Do not buy the cheapest version of this trade. No, correct. Like, do not even entertain it. Correct. And if you hear that number and they're number four and the other three are within each other relatively, yeah. call up the fourth and just laugh at them and say, I'm sorry, I don't want to hire you because you're, you should change your business to red flag underpinning. Right. right? <laughs> and it's just because you've got a lot of red flags attached to that crap. A really good way... Um, an interesting way that, that that's really simple but not too common to, to sort of sort, you know, in, in our case, to, to be able to sort out some of the waterproofing contractors and the GTA underpinning contractors as well as, you know, everyone's got reviews. Of course, reviews of course. are a huge driver yeah. for SEO and so on and so forth. You know, so some companies have just massive, gigantic volumes of reviews, and that's cool. Um, but one of the interesting ways to sort of suss things out is, you know, you view everyone's reviews, but there's always a little tab that you can click uh, whether it's Homestars, Google Reviews, whatever, whatever. And you got to sort the reviews negative to positive. You got to flip them from oh, positive to negative and sort That's them right. negative to positive. Yeah. And sort of start reading down the worst reviews first. And I'll tell you, man. That's a very good point. You know, you start doing that and, and stuff becomes pretty, pretty, pretty clear in a sense, right? So um, back to a clever marketing. It's one of those things, right? Google offers the service. Of course, by default, Google's going to show you the best review, right? Google's trying to do what Google does. Um, but there's always the tab to, f- I want to see the worst it. reviews first. And yeah, then you yeah, can yeah. really start to get an idea of kind of what you're, what you're dealing with there. Um, you know, basement waterproofing, underpinning, all these kinds of things. They're, you know, wild ranges in prices sometimes. But at the same time, just know that these are things that can't easily be redone. You know, if someone screws up an underpinning, it's a tough call as to how to remove that underpin, right? It's it's, it's a serious shit now, right? So it's like it starts to become criminal. It starts to become federal. Like it starts to become a serious thing. There's some wild stuff, and sometimes we get calls and hey, we had other guys in here, you know, I need you to come in. Like, eh. And you're reluctant, eh? You know, I'll come take a peek, and normally, like, you know, to get involved with other people's stuff, you don't exactly know what they did. Oh, you know, half of this is good, but is it good? Like, I I can't confirm and you that. You can't confirm it. You know, like it's, a, you know, and then other times you come in, it's like there shouldn't be anyone living in this house. Like, I got to get the heck out of here. I'm sorry. But then you also feel terrible because you have to submit a number that's going to be possibly twice as much because you have to factor in what you have to discover. Yeah, remove everything, right? It's, you know, even even with, you know, normal basement waterproofing from the outside, you know, we dig down to the footing and, you know, what is this monstrosity that someone put on the wall? And you got to figure out a way to get it off, torch it, scrape it. It takes uh, fucking days. And then yeah. maybe, maybe you get it off because you got to get it off or else your stuff's not going to stick. And so it's just like it keeps because going. Because you got to warranty your stuff. Of course, right? So now it triples. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, right? But this, this, you know, that, that 15 years, like we take that serious. 15 yeah, years yeah, is 15 yeah. years. Yeah. 
you know, 14 years, 11, <laughs> 11 months, months and five days. You know what I mean? It's a true story. That's right? a classic. So but, yeah. but I mean, you know what? Good on them if they said that something came about and you and good on you guys for coming back and, and owning it. And no, then no that's question. it. It should be done that way. You know, as the old man would say, keep it simple, right? So as simple as that. 15 man. years is 15 years. Gavin McRae, GJ McRae Foundation Repair Owner, 48 years, uh, www.wetbasements.com, Gavin at wetbasements.com, all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all under GJ McRae. Ready for the 12 questions, Matt? Sure. Yeah, let's <laughs> give those a little, a little shot. <laughs> what is your favorite construction word? Envelope. Fitting, fitting. What is your least favorite construction word? Bung. Bung? Like a plumbing bung. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, always, I always saw the word, you know, this guy needs six bungs. You know, like I'm at Noble, right? Like, <laughs> what does he need the bungs for? It's like, guys, can we like chill for a second here? Like, why is it called a bung? But anyway. I know, but the glossary of construction terms, I'm just like, I'm surprised cancel culture haven't uh, attacked it yet, right? But it's, um, it's, it's amazing how many terms are... Plumbing, gas fitting, like. Well, male, female fittings to begin but with. Sure, sure, sure. It's, right? You know, so it's just all kind of, you know, like whatever. Man, I know manholes have been attacked and all this other stuff. and But I mean, like whatever. This is construction. This is how we handle This is how we talk, right? It's, you know, this, this stuff's older than us, right? So I don't know. What turns you on in construction? Uh, depth. Reliability. What's the deepest you've gone? Or I mean, like human depth. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but, but, no, no, I, no, no. Mentally and spiritually, what's the deepest you gone? No, no, no. But I mean, I was just curious. That's actually a good one. That, I, I like that. Um, but uh, work-wise, what, what's like? How deep have you guys, or like, even your dad? Really, as deep as a human being can go um, with a shovel. Like once you go past a certain height, ten and change, yeah. you just you, like you just physically can't throw dirt out the top, given that there's a volume of dirt next to the. So stuff starts to sort of become in around 10 feet and change. It's like that's actually the deepest by hand you can go. Now you start to get into sort of trolley systems with buckets. Yeah. Uh, any deeper than that, now you start to get into machine territory where it's like, you know, like extension arms and all sorts of wild stuff. And then it becomes a different animal. Right. And, you know, you start getting down that deep. It's like, man, it's like wet and walls. Like it looks like the thing. It's like the whaling wall, man. Yeah, I know, I know, like, yeah. It just goes on forever. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, that's not too common. But that's right? actually a good answer, your depth. Yeah, I like that one. What turns you off in construction? Flash. Big talk. <laughs> Big talk and flash. You know that normal shit. I know. You know what, guys? I like, know. No reason It's to. funny, you know, sometimes it's funny, but it's like, I gotta go to work, man. We gotta get some shit done, right? So, yeah, I don't know, like, What's flash. your favorite curse word? Uh, I really... You don't really curse? Um, I try not to. Sometimes, you know, you I don't do. Have but, to. Um, I mean, if you don't want to curse, you don't want to curse. You know, like com common F word, you know, different the ways of saying fucking stuff. And, yeah, they go to. You know, if if, if I'm cognizant of uh, I, I need to swear, sometimes I'll try to say shite. But it's like, you know, F word's kind of the I know, but you, you Scots and you Irish, you guys have... The nicest way of saying curse words is <laughs> <laughs> the, the best way I can say it. Yeah. I don't feel offended when a curse word is shared from you guys. It heard, doesn't bother me. I heard a, uh, a term recently, uh, Irish guy, fresh, uh, sort, sort of fresh in a can, about two years, Ricky. Yeah. Good guy, talented guy, and a very nice guy. But he was, uh, you know, he was doing some, some you know, a little bit of work and, I think his labor didn't show up or, the, or whatever. There was something. He was frustrated. I kind of got to see him, like, in his true, like, 
go on, you know, and, you know, anyways, he, he had some term. I thought it was so funny. He called his laborer. He's like, ah, da, 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 da. Patty, Patty, fucking Patty didn't show. He's shite in a bucket. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, hold on a second. Shite in a bucket? Bucket. So he's like, shit in a bucket. Shit in a bucket, <laughs> yeah. Shite in the bucket. I'm like, man, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> that's how much value he has. Right. Shit in a bucket. Right. Like, it was like, it's hardcore, man. Like, that's actually good. My God. What is your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Um, From like the past, um, I'd say like Studebaker pickups. Very, very slick. With the wheel well? Yeah, yeah. Wheel on the side, you know. Uh, wood, um, a wood bed, yeah, of course. You know, classic era. Um, Such a sexy looking vehicle. Uh, it's, you know, that's that's yeah. a time that'll never come again. Um, to well, they tried, but. Yeah, yeah, I know. For sure. Yeah, these. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Prowlers. Abominations. Or, abominations, or, yeah. That's what they're no, called. No. If, 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 if it's not done right, it's the worst thing in the world. I know. Um, so, yeah, like I'd say old Studebaker pickups. Um, I think one of the coolest trucks, like I would never own this truck, but I think like a deuce and a half would be like one of the backbone work trucks of planet earth still to this day for 70 years. Everything's deuce and a half simple shit. For sure. Uh, and then just like normal realistic uh, would be like just a basic commercial Chev um, one ton. That's all you need, man. Type thing. And like, yeah. and I'm good 20 years, 15 years with that truck. Those things last just plain, plain Jane, like, they last. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly That's right. All it is. Just put a sign on the side that says, we don't have any puppies or a couch in here. Yeah, I know. That's all it is, right? <laughs> yeah, straight up, man. <laughs> What's last. your least favorite vehicle in the entire world? Uh, I'd say like one that doesn't run, you know? I know, it's true. <laughs> it's completely useless. Yeah. What construction sound or noise do you love? Um, I like the sound of pouring concrete, you know, into forms. Like, you know, it's filling, it's filling. Like, it has this kind of cool... Whale. Rhythm, yeah, there's yeah, a rhythm you know, to it. and it's kind of happening, and it's like when that's happening, you know, you're sort of chasing victory, mm. you know, you're coming to the point where it's like, okay, the risk is kind of um, like once this is in by tomorrow, you're kind of, you know, so so it's a nice sound, a nice milestone feeling. is like exactly accomplished. Once it's right? coming in, you know, you're like good, you know. So it's kind of uh, like someone told me a marathon runner told me she told me recently where she was like um, running a 42k marathon is not difficult. It's not until you get to like the 32nd or 33rd mile kilometer right. that the difficulty starts. The last 5% is just consistently, no, no matter what in life, construction project, whatever, the last 5%, there's something about it. Make or break. Something about it all, it's right? True. It's, it's, it's amazing. True. Uh, construction sound or noise do you hate? Um, you know, prolonged use, uh, you know, like jumping jacks, you know, here and there, you know, to, to tamp and smash is cool, but you know sometimes you got to use them for hours and like, you know, not my favorite it's thing. So harsh, yeah. You know, at the same time, oh, with with jumping jacks, that's another tool. Whacker, brand new, all the way, brand new. Well, they whackers. Did they right? invent them? I want to say they did. Um, honestly, I' pretty sure like the modern gas jumping jack has to be whacker. I in um, my early days of social media. We were tamping for a garage for the poor and everything like that. And all of a sudden we had two tampers or framers brought it in there. And I was like, hey, come over here. Let's have a whack off. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, man. No and doubt. I thought it was funny, but everybody else was thinking, that's not very funny. I go, it's a whacker. It's a whacker. Like, two of them are competing. See who's going to whack off as much, right? So what <laughs> profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, you know, I feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to do. 
Nice. But if you're enjoying it, um, loving it. Yeah, no, no, for sure I do. You know, and it's it's the family tradition, right? Back to grandfather, even. You know, he was doing who's some other things. Who's taking over but for you? You're not ready for that, but who's taking over for you? Oh man, that's that's a good question. Um, you got to look at that, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I guess that's a part of every successful business, business right? It's um that side of things. I'll I'll get back to you on that <laughs> one. <laughs> let, let me know. Question to be answered, to be determined. I still feel young and peppy, so you know, yeah. hopefully uh, all goes well. What profession would you not like to do? Um, oh, sorry the the one of what I'd like to attempt. Oh, okay. I thought you want. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry. But you know, like what I'm doing now, I truly believe this is what I'm meant to do, and this is part part of the reason I'm here on Earth. So that's cool. Uh, and if it was another life, I would be interested in things like um, like controls, mechanical engineering, machine building. Um, you know, where hardware meets software is always. You know, like in my own private life, I yeah. kind of dabble with that stuff. So, yeah, like controls, machine building, things like cool. this. So, um, anyways, uh, yeah, sorry. No, no, that's very cool. What profession would you not like to do? Honestly, the one I feel most connected to is the one I wouldn't want to do, which is roofing. You know, like roofers. Hard you know, job. Oh, fuck. You know, I, I, you know, in a room with trades guys and stuff, like there's underpinner labor guys that go, what up? And then roofers, like, what up? And they're like, what up? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, put one of these, like, you know what I mean? Like, just like, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Crazy yeah. environment. Like, you know, hardcore dudes come through that kind of stuff, right? And it's like, man, like, this is hard, this is hardcore shit. Special breed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, you know when you see it, right? So that's, you know, I would roof if need be, but I prefer to dig. I like going down and, you know, I'll I like do a few tabs and then I'll get off the roof. Yeah, I, you know, as far as height, heights, I was never super great with. Oh, anyway, so. don't bother me. It's the, it's the angle of my uh, ankle and, and the tension that you're hanging on to certain things, and then the possibility of just misstepping and uh, have a few seconds of uh, some wind rush before some thing else happens. That shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's yeah, no joke, man. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Um. I would envision, you know, God willing, the pearly gates open, and it's you know, Samoy puppies everywhere, ah. right? Because those guys, you know, they got to be out there doing of the deal. Of course, you know, greeters for sure. Got to be puppies, those Samoy puppies, and that playful walk. Yeah, just the whole thing. You know, you look at them like just pure energy, man. Yeah, just like wow, what a what a creature. Um, they always have the best expressions on their faces. Oh my just lovely people, guys. <laughs> My wife and I have a Samoid. Nice. Uh, What's the name? Her name's Kota. Kota. She's uh, how old? She is twelve. Oh, she's getting up there. She, you know what? She she doesn't uh, act of day past four or five. You know, she's definitely not a puppy, but at the same time, you know, she's a little older. But she's howler. Like, she'll go if you go, right? She okay. loves to sing, you know. So if okay. if you kind of hum and sing to her, she'll pick that up. Um, but yeah. Samoids are definitely talkers for they're sure. Beautiful, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're amazing. You know, so I would imagine you know Samoids on the ground, and um, you know, God would say something along the lines of you know you're uh, back where you started. Welcome back to where you started, right? I believe in that whole I don't know circle of time, time not being a line but a circle. Nice. You know, so maybe that's where we came from, and we're doing our thing, and then maybe that's where we complete where we started, right? So it'd be kind of funny if he handed you a shovel. I, I would say touche, sir. I would say touche. You, you were watching. You were watching. I knew you were watching. <laughs> Wood handle shovel too. Has to be basic. Basic. 
Gavin, thank you so much, man. Honestly, absolute pleasure having you on the show, bro. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Could I could I shout a few people totally out? Totally, do it, please. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to shout out to uh, Dino, Maggie, Debbie, Ozzy, Mehmet, uh, Milan, my mom and dad, and my beautiful wife. Nice. I wish you did it at the beginning now. Sorry. Well, no, I give that, no, because <laughs> I, I encourage anybody to shout out as many as you want. I don't know if I could plug or... Oh, totally. Some, you some, can some do it. I, I encourage so. all of it, man. But I mean, yeah, we could have did it at the beginning, but it's all good. But hopefully they listen to the whole show right to the very end. Right? I think they will. They I think probably they will. will. Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. Again, Gavin McRae from GJ McRae Foundation Repair or wetbasements.com. Gavin at wetbasements.com and all over social, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. Find them at GJ McRae. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks, Angelina. We're out of here.